Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a recap movie episode as we continue our Men in Black month. We are up to the third episode, the third movie. It's called Men in Black 3. They really came up with an original <laughs> title for this one, not Men in Black are back again. That would have worked. That actually would have been a good title, Ben. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, you can steal that Sony Pictures. Um, Men in Black with a third of the Tommy. Uh, Men in Black with former President George W. Bush. I don't know. Take your pick. Men uh, in Black Lives Matter. Men in Black Lives Matter. Men in Black, once you go black, you never go back. Um, all the all the titles that they could have used uh, from 2012, the movie that I forgot existed and never saw for a while and all that kind of fun stuff. But I'm excited to talk about this one because this one's a good one, I think. I guess we'll find out how good it is. My name is Ben. It's just Ben. I'm the starting forward for the Detroit Darkies. And I worked with Colin for over 40 years. And in all that time, he never invited me to dinner. He never asked me to his house or watch a game. He never shared a single detail of his personal life. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my name is Colin, and I'm much more unconventionally handsome than my photos. I would disagree with that. You're actually <laughs> very unattractive, if I'm being completely honest. Jamie photos and out of photos, very unattractive. Yes, that's uh, that's what's actually on my Tinder profile, which I'm getting some great reviews this week, by the way, everyone. Um, just, just thought I'd share that. Um, yeah, Men in Black 3, Colin. Uh, I've mentioned a few times that this is a movie that I didn't see for quite some time. I think Men in Black 2 stained it for me because of my dislike for that for a while. But um, this is enjoyable. I remember seeing it for the first time going like, oh, that's actually good. I wish I had seen that at the cinemas. And I think this is probably the third time I've seen it. And it holds up pretty well. And I'm sad that they didn't make an actual decent fourth one when we get to next week because I feel this almost rebooted it in a weird way. Not that it needed rebooting. Men in Black 2 wasn't terrible, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to think that we got this um, and I feel it just kind of got forgotten about. Yeah, that's the perfect way of describing it. It's a movie that I feel like my reaction and your reaction to it is probably most people's reaction. You maybe saw the movie when it first came out. You thought that was pretty good. Then you forget about the movie. You see it on TV years later. You're like, oh, yeah, Men in Black 3. Let me see that. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this movie was good. And then a few more years pass after that. And you're obligated to do it for a podcast. And you watch the movie. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot how good this movie was. And I really I want to try to put my finger on what it is with this movie that's missing 
not in terms of entertainment because everything's there. Like I would argue that the story is arguably the best of the trilogy. I'd uh, say that the, the drama is the best of the trilogy. Um, I think that the visual effects are obviously the best. Um, it's just for whatever reason, this movie keeps getting forgotten. And uh, I wish that wasn't the case because it's such a strong movie, but I'm going to be a hypocrite because I know for a fact a year from now, I'm probably going to be like, well, yeah, Men in Black 3. Was that one good? I think it was. Yeah, no, I'd agree with all that. Did you see this at the movies? I think you said you saw this at the movies, didn't you? I did, yeah. I mean, I was I was a huge fan of like one and obviously two I had my issues with, but, you know, it, it didn't hold me back from being excited about this one. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it like first week. I think it was second week because we'll figure it out at the end of this episode, but I'm fairly certain that The Amazing Spider-Man came out maybe a week or two before this. So if my memory's right, I think I saw The Amazing Spider-Man twice and the second time it was because I saw it the first time myself and I told Jamie, yeah, you got to check this new one out. The Spider-Man movie is way better than I thought it would be. And then the week after that, it's like, okay, now let's see Men in Black 3. But I mean, my first reactions, probably the same reaction I have now, like solid movie. Um, just uh, maybe not immediately giving that rewatch urge that you get from the first Men in Black. Uh, looking at the box office briefly, I don't see The Amazing Spider-Man open that weekend. Uh, or the weekend prior? Colin it was. Uh, no, it's not open at all. Uh, oh. It says here that it wasn't released till July 3rd in the US, whereas this opened up the weekend of May 25th. So, uh, um, wrong, else Colin. Was, something else was open. The Avengers. The first Avengers was open. That uh, might have been it. The dictator. Uh, well, we're obviously jumping ahead a bit here, so we we, we know we know if Rihanna was in theaters, that's why I was distracted from Men in Black. 3. Clearly, absolutely, that is definitely right. Yeah, I um again, I think it just it literally came to the point when I heard this was a thing. Like it was just eh, Men in Black two, eh. and I also think because you know what we'd had a ten year gap between the movies, so I don't I don't even really remember promotion around. I remember the Pitbull song. <laughs> I remember when <laughs> of that all came things out, to so remember, I'm, you remember Pitbull's song. Well, I mean, it was 2012, Colin. Everybody had Pitbull fever. Um, you know, we were all swept up in the ball. Come on. Um, I think I was with Louise at the time, and I think Louise loved that song. Um, so I remember that. But, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like this was a, obviously wasn't a flop. But, um, yeah, I just it's kind of an odd one that, you know, I love the first movie so much that and I'm not usually one of those people like, I saw Jurassic World Dominion in cinemas twice. You know, it's not like I gave up on Jurassic World. I mean, having said that, I liked Fallen Kingdom. I was a weird one. But, you know, I mean, I saw all the Star Wars sequels. (laughs) Um, Even after The Last Jedi, I didn't give up. Yeah, that's dedication. So uh, it's weird because I'm I'm not one who likes to give up or just all of a sudden take a, a movie from a franchise that I love that's crap. Like, I'm sure if they release Independence Day 3 next week, I'm still going to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of strange that. But I don't know. I'll be completely honest. I've been a bad podcast host this week that I haven't really done much research on this. But I, I don't know why there was a delay of 10 years. Was This was before they were meant to do this whole 21 Jump Street, Men right. in Black spin-off right so i'm assuming that's on it but is there a reason that you know of that this was delayed for so long so my thought and again there's not much trivia out there but my thought during that 10 years was that it was hard to get tommy lee jones and will smith to both commit to commit at the same time i mean rush hour kind of ran into the same problem uh after rush hour two that both chris tucker and you can't do it without chris tucker and jackie chan and you can't do men in black without tommy lee jones and will smith uh so i assumed Okay, they're both demanding a lot of money. They want to make sure that they 
can get them both at the same time, that the movie's not going to suck. And that was just a delay, uh, which is the reason why I thought this movie ended up with the Josh Brolin character, because I figured Tommy Lee Jones just said, now nah, only do it if I'm only in it for 20, 25 minutes tops. Uh, but apparently that's not the case. Apparently during the filming of Men in Black 2, Will Smith pitched the idea of Jay having to go back in time and not seeing a younger K and K sort of being at the beginning and end. And that was just sort of the idea the whole time. So Tommy Lee Jones's reduced screen time in this was simply, this is the idea we have. Do you want to sign on for it? And you don't have to work as much. And it's like, all right, <laughs> which is Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones, right? Uh, so the, the delays, I mean, it, it, you can't even say, oh, they want to wait till they have a completed script because apparently this movie started shooting without a completed script. So um, it's, it's all sort of a mystery why it took 10 years. It yeah, it's, it is fascinating, and it's a good point you make about Rush Hour Three because Rush Hour Three was what two thousand eight. I think it was seven was or eight. Rush? Yeah, so it was like a. Seven I mean, it, nowadays that's nothing. That's that's an average James Bond movie. But I mean, a, a two thousand what two thousand one two thousand. So six seven year yeah. wait back then that was like longest anybody had waited prior to Men in Black two or three. And got got to say, it's sort of not the same on the trilogy because I think with the Rush Hour movies, there's not really a. A blip. I mean, Rush Hour Three is not Rush Hour One or Two, but it's still mm-hmm. not as bad as I re- like. I haven't seen. I've seen Rush Hour One and Two like so many times, and it's been a long time since I've seen Rush Hour Three. But I always remember with Rush Hour Three, like I'm like, hey, that's enjoyable. Um, yeah. You know, it's sort of they're all solidly the same film and it's got the same style. Which I said I think at the beginning of this month that at least the first three of these movies, and for, actually, what I remember of International, it still had a bit of a Men in Black feel about it. Yeah, you know, they kind of keep that vibe about it. So. That's definitely one thing to obviously um, to look at. But uh, obviously for this one, uh, as you said, Will Smith returns, Tommy Lee Jones returns, Josh Brolin's no longer the president of the United States, so he's back and then he's going to play Thanos soon. Barry Sonnefeld's back and that's basically it. We don't really get – I mean, the little worm guys are there. Look, You talk about CGI. Those worm guys look terrible in this film. Yeah. Um, but Frank the Pug's not back. Uh, Tony Shalhoub's not back, which was he meant to come back for this? See, or? I, I mentioned the last two episodes, my frustration with it. There are several characters in this movie where like that should have been Tony Shalhoub and it's not Tony Shalhoub. So I, I was Monk still running at this point. Oh, who knows? I mean, and no David Cross that. too. Yeah, true. And also oh, the the guy in the, the shed, the, the chair guy was a newspaper. Oh That's yeah. Him. Doorman. Uh, we, we established that, but the thing also too, which is interesting, like sometimes when you get one of these like sequels coming back and, you know, have, I've said this plenty of times, obviously I've just rewatched, uh, Anchorman 2 and Zoolander 2, you know, sequels that came out a long time after the originals. A lot of what they do in those is they go all out by getting the big names in, you know, to try and spice it up because big actors are fans of them and they want to kind of add to their career. Didn't really do it with this one. I mean, Nicole Scherzlinger, sure, but she's in it for like five seconds. Uh, you know, Bill Hader. I don't know if Bill Hader was really that big in 2012, mm. was he? Or I was don't he still think on SNL so. back then? Or? Yeah, because I think yeah, the only I'm, the only other movie he had done was, I think Tropic Thunder had come out at this point. I think he was in that. Yeah, okay. And Jermaine Clement, obviously, I guess Flight of the Concords was a big deal, so he was sort of doing his thing there. But, uh, I mean, Emma Thompson, uh, which I always forget she's in. She's barely in this, oh, Emma Thompson. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> she's in the next one really? more, isn't she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she is. And she's kind of the only one, I think, from memory that ties over. Although I think there's mentions of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, or there's a painting of them or something, isn't there, in the next one? Uh, it's, oh, I saw it once, I forgot about it. But um, yeah, but I mean, having said that, like, I'm with you, like, it's disappointing they don't bring some of them back. But also, like, 
you know, we complained in Men in Black 2 that some of them, like, you've got too much Frank, you've got too much Worms, you know, like, it's also a good thing that I feel they don't go over the ball. Like, oh, we have to bring someone back for the sake of bringing some back, you know? Yeah. And, like, it doesn't even feel... To me, it doesn't really feel like they're missing. Like, there are definitely sequels when certain people don't come back where it feels odd. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, why weren't they there? Clearly, they're missing. And then they come back for, like, the third or the fourth one, and you're like, okay, you know, issues... Obviously, with Rip Torn, I believe this was around the time he was having his legal issues with, like, robbing the bank or whatever the hell he did. So, I think that's why he's not in it. That would be my guess. He was still alive at this point. Um, so, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if you feel that. You obviously mentioned that with, like, Frank or, you know, Tony Shalhoub. But I, I never really watched this and think, like, oh, we really need one of these characters. No, I mean, it, it kind of would have been nice to have, you know, a quick cameo like what they did with the worm guys. I mean, they're used much better than this than they were in two because they use them sparingly. They're, they're basically Jar Jar Binks into this one, like Jar Jar Binks in Revenge mm. of the Sith. He's walking in the background and says, excuse me once, you know, like that's that's the way you should use the worm guys or Frank. Um, I still think it would be cool to have Tony Shalhoub or David Cross just because you have that consistency. But it is funny because I, I would say coming into this, the only other character that should appear is Zed. And yet I don't feel like you need Zed in this movie. Um, and it's almost a little bit weird when you go back to 1969 and they don't have a quick cameo of Zed's character, but obviously they're just trying to wash their hands clean of him at this time. Uh, but you're yeah. right. You don't feel like you miss any of these people for not being in it. And I think part of that is you're distracted by the fact that Tommy Lee Jones isn't there. And then within five seconds, you're like, I'm not missing Tommy Lee Jones because we've got him here. Yeah. He just looks younger. Exactly. Like, it might be the single best impression anybody has ever done on film of another celebrity. And I, I think what is, um, I, I again, I still I ramble on about this all the time, and you'll watch it one day. But um, you know, W, I feel that um, Josh Brolin, like he's kind of just doing uh, um, his W here, kind of with that sort of you know text and accent in a way. But you're right, like he's so. Good. The casting of this is amazing. Um, you know, we've talked about, uh, I know when, when Nora and I did Lost, there was lots of the younger actors that we talked about, like the younger Alan Dale, the younger Widmore was really well cast. Um, you know, certain ones where you can actually get a younger actor who really is solid at doing an impersonation and you believe that is them as a younger actor because they look like them as well. But yeah, this is brilliant. This is um, this is such great casting uh, to get Josh Brolin. And yeah, I'm with you. You don't really miss Tommy Lee Jones because you've got Tommy Lee Jones here. Um, and yeah, there's, that's an interesting point. I didn't think about that. You can kind of do what they did in Austin Powers and they go back and sort of have the, you know, the younger versions of that. Because you've got this weird boss guy who is in things, um, the the other boss. But, uh, you know, I should mention Will Arnett makes a cameo. Oh, I yeah. Guess, in it, which he was, a, he was a big deal back in 2012, wasn't he? He'd been around for a bit, so... And um, I mean, I guess he's filling the David Cross role of let's get an Arrested Development actor in here. Yeah, I love, I always, like Will Arnett, Bill Hader, these are like actors who I just, I always forget I love, but I just, because I guess it's sort of Saturday Night Live was never, you know, a staple in my life. I sort of, you know, forget how funny these guys are. And then maybe I just haven't watched a lot of their material outside of what I know them from. But um, yeah, who do you prefer? Who would you choose? Who would you kick out of bed in the morning? Uh, Bill or, or Will? Bill or Will? Oh, you, you, <laughs> you Will. got, you got to keep Will. And I, I don't think you've watched all of Arrested Development, have you? I've seen like what I've seen of it. I've really enjoyed. It's on my list of something that I would like to go back and watch properly. Okay, wait, wait until it, you eventually watch it and you get to the season. It, they, they use Ben Stiller in a, uh, a small role throughout the course of the season. Wait till you get to the season where Will Arnett thinks that he's gay and 
thinks that he's in love with Ben Stiller. Um, that that is a pairing. <laughs> We've that, all been that, there. We, of course we have, right? With both Will and Ben. Uh, not this Ben, the other Ben, Stiller Ben. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Thank you for that. Um, just to clarify that Colin wouldn't go gay for me. Wow, that hurts my feelings. Um, but we should mention, we talk on this show that people have big dongs. Uh, it's recently emerged that uh, Bill Hader has a very large dong. Did you hear that story at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I'm guessing not long after Hayden, Rachel Bilson was dating Bill Hader. I don't know if they were married Ooh. or not, but they were together for quite some time. And Rachel Bilson was on a podcast recently and said the number one thing she misses about Bill Hader is that he has a very large penis. Uh, so unless Bill Hader is like paid her off and like, Rachel, whenever you do interviews in the future, remember my little dick, say it's huge. Uh, but yeah, that made like headlines. It was like Rachel Bilson misses Bill Hader's big penis. Is, so uh, okay, now I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like myself here for a second because I'm sure every guy on the planet's like, hey, I wish somebody would go on a podcast and say I have a big dong. Uh, but <laughs> can you can you say that in 2022? Like if you flip that around, I, I, isn't Justin Timberlake in trouble for saying things about Britney Spears? Is she allowed to say that about Bill Hader? I guarantee because he's not complaining you, you, though. You've answered your own question there, Colin, because it's 2022. You're allowed to do those sort of things against men because it's not offensive. Uh, so, you know. Uh, well, I saw that I'm offended. I was like, well, that, that's not fair. Like, you know, like, I mean, what if it was the other way around? What if Rachel Bilson was like, oh, fucking Bill Hader's a little dick. Um, like, yeah. you know, that's a bit disparaging. But, but see, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm offended. Rachel Bilson. Yeah, well, 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 I mean, why is she bragging about Hayden Christensen? Come on, we all well, want to exactly. know his dong size. He's got a bigger dong than Bill. I, I don't want to live in a world where Hayden Christensen's penis is smaller than Bill Hayden's. Like I like them both, but I mean, Hayden Christensen's a real man. Bill Hayden's just funny. Um, so and Adam Brody. You know. Well, that's in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's little, but I, I don't see Adam Brody. Like I mean, you know. Some people are funny because they make up for size discrepancies. I might know that from experience um, because you draw the girls in, you know, like humor. <laughs> Once they got you in with the funniness, then the dick doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> that's in my autobiography. <laughs> draw them in with the funniness and the dick doesn't matter. <laughs> that's the title of your autobiography. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, anyway, um, I think we should get into this. Oh, you mentioned the special effects. I, I know you sort of touched on this a little bit in the first and second one, but I think this one does the best job on really kind of making it feel that it's, you know, like a comic book, bit wacky sci-fi, you know, like there's, there's stuff in this that I guess doesn't look super realistic, but it's not meant to, if you know what I mean. Like, I think it's kind of, it's got that yeah. style about it. Whereas, you know, I think the first one kind of towed the line between realism and that. The second one just went too far with some of it and just very early 2000s special effects, which looked terrible. Uh, whereas this one, like even the stuff which in hindsight you should go like, oh, that looks so fake, it, it's fine. It's kind of just like that style of movie, which I think they've done deliberately. And, yeah, it's kind of good. And I, and I will say Will Smith shows up this movie. Like he doesn't yeah. phone it in. So um, I'm glad that Will was available properly this time around. Yeah, same with Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, he's he's literally able to phone it in in this movie, but he's given it his all. He's meant to phone it in. I think that's the point, <laughs> right? So, uh, anyway, uh, anything else to add or shall we get into the lady who never changes her clothes and into the movie? Let, let's get into the lady who never changes her clothes. My, my friend used to call her that whenever we saw a movie, like with the Columbia woman <laughs> standing there with the... Uh, the bit which this so was it this, was it the second one where like she had the flashy thing because I remember like I think we did that last week you know when she's holding the torch and she like flashy things that yeah they, um, I, th I think I think it might have even been the first to be honest 
maybe. Uh, one of them. Uh, so this is the only one that doesn't really open with like a massively long, elongated tracking shot. Uh, we sort of get it, but it's only mini. But um, who's that? Who's got a big Boris tattoo on the back? It's uh, Mrs. Uh, Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me, Nicole Scherzlinger, Lewis Hamilton's ex-girlfriend, which, I mean, we talk about all the time ranking our celebrity singers, Colin. How does Nicole Scherzlinger, don't even think I'm pronouncing her name properly, <laughs> but whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Um, how do you think she ranks on your scale of female singers? She's pretty low down. Um, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna get into my issues with her. I, I my issues with her mostly. She was a judge. I think it was on both the American and the British X Factors, uh, yeah. and she's really awful. Like like she's just terrible personality and not like awful person. I mean, I don't know, maybe she is an awful person in real life. It's just not not fun to watch on TV. Uh, so because of that, I've I've always kind of had a thing against her. But um, I mean, maybe if she had Rachel Bilson's personality. She'd rank a little <laughs> bit higher. I never seen it, so I have nothing to gauge off that. Uh, I remember when the Pussycat Doll, that was sort of like when I was about 18 or so, you know, perfect going out age. And, you know, Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend, whatever it was called, Don't You. I used to hate that yeah. song. But then they had a couple of other songs that came on. I'm like, okay, these are okay and sort of grow me. And my biggest thing with Nicole Scherzlinger was that, yeah, she was famously dating Lewis Hamilton for a very long time. So watching Formula One all the time, she was always at races. She was always there. and then She was like, always they racist? Broke up. She was always racist. <laughs> no wonder they broke up. <laughs> Do you play for the Detroit Darkies? Um, I... <laughs> I like I just always would see like Formula One things, and I think yeah they broke up, but then they got back together again, and um, yeah I think Lewis Hamilton's always said like oh she's the one who got away, and I think it all came down to the fact that she wanted kids and he wouldn't give them to her, so oh Lewis, um, but yeah anyway so he's and she's actually tell you what not a bad actress, kind of like Michael Jackson last week, you know you'd think that you just get a random cameo like this from a singer and you you kind of like okay cool but. Gotta say, she if you didn't know who if you didn't know this was Nicole Scherzlinger, you'd just be like, oh cool, random actress with the cake. Yeah, I mean her delivery of three lines in this movie is pretty solid, I guess. Uh, oh, she holds Michael the Jackson cake. Had three lines? Uh, true, <laughs> she does yeah. Hold the cake, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I don't know. I just I just think like it's you, you think about some movies, like, okay, here Ben brings it up. Madonna died another day. Yeah. I don't think she's terrible, but you and Noah disagree with me. Um, she's terrible. I think uh random one that we're talking about Austin Powers, Britney Spears' Fembot appearance in Goldmember. Like, she doesn't even say any lines. She just does what oh, she does in lip syncs, but she's yeah. not brilliant in it. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that this does the job. Mariah Carey in uh, You Don't Mess With The Zohan's pretty decent. <laughs> Did she do anything else after Men in Black 3 as far as acting goes? No, nothing I can I, think of. I can't say I've closely followed Nicole Scherzlinger's career <laughs> post-Lewis Hamilton's breakup. Um, I don't think she's been heard of since like 2017, has she? Like, I don't know if she does anything anymore. Well, she um, she hasn't. She's in Moana. Yeah, I'm going to say she hasn't done anything other than a voice in Moana since 2016. She hasn't recorded anything since 2014. So is she still alive? Oh, she did the 2017 Dirty Dancing, the Abigail Breslin Dirty Dancing. Who is she in that? Oh, yay. Oh, Probably uh, Dennis Nedry, uh, Wayne uh, Knight's character. Penny, <laughs> she's know. she's the one who gets knocked up, so Abigail Breslin has to replace her. Oh, of course she is. Um, she she got a kid! Not- there we go! <laughs> Jesus, she got a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's what she wanted. 
She's just no Lewis Hamilton's kid, though. Uh, is it is it Eddie Murphy's or who's the other guy we talk about? Has like ten kids. Um, oh, Nick, Nick Cannon. You know it's so funny? I was talking about that the other day with a friend, and like I was brought up Eddie Murphy, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, so does Nick Cannon." And I literally yeah. said, "Like I have not heard of Nick Cannon for like two weeks. How does everyone know this about him? And they've got like twenty kids. Like, am I just late to the party?" Um, so anyway, Nicole Schlersinger has left a Pussycat Dolls. And I like that you keep pronouncing her Schlersinger. Sure, 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 Schlersinger. Uh, Lewis's ex shows up with a cake um, at this prison and the guards let her in and we're going to meet one half of Flight of the Concords, which you still haven't watched, have you? You need to watch no. it. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. Um, if you ever want to get a taste of New Zealand culture in New York um, and fall in love with Reese Darby, seriously watch it because Murray is like amazing. But um, and I like I you don't really see Brett in many things. I know he won an Oscar for writing that song for the Muppets, mm. um, but I don't really think Brett acts in things. I think he mainly just does music stuff. But yeah, Jermaine obviously does a lot of acting. He was in Moana. Uh, speaking of Moana, this is a movie that all the Moana people got cast from apparently. Um, but oh, what was that really? I always forget it exists, and I think it got really bad reviews. But I thought it was quite funny. Um, Dinner with Schmucks. Paul Rudd and Steve Carell. Did you ever oh, watch that? Oh, yeah. No, I never saw it because it got bad reviews. But uh, you're saying it was a it's remake, good. I think, too. I, I thought it was it was enjoyable. It wasn't that yeah. bad. Like, I, was, I thought it was funny. I was going to say, oh, you're saying it's good. I, I don't think that Ben's usually the uh, the, the, the the opinion <laughs> that you need to follow. Uh, oh, white chicks and uh, hey, die another day. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't take white chicks disparity, uh, you know, uh, on on the chin. That's mean, actually, Colin. Come on, um, but yeah. So the cake, it's got weird little alien things in it. He gets broken out. Um, the guards die. Uh, we get a couple of Boris's lines. Oh, we'll have to agree to disagree. I love Jim. Like I think you mentioned maybe your favorite villain. Uh, did you mention that? Yeah, well, it's it's really it's really tough between him and uh, and Edgar in the first time. I mean, Edgar's definitely funnier, but if you're talking about for a villain, like Boris is a villain. Like this is a mean, nasty villain, and that's something yeah. that I don't think any of the movies had really gotten until this one. And I love the look of him. I love kind of like these like eye things that he's got, the teeth, like the practical effects of this. Looks. I mean, Selena was just hot. She was just Lara Thin Boyle. Yeah. Uh, and the the plant thing that looks silly, but uh, you know, I kind of like just the look of him here. Um, but yeah, so he basically he breaks out of prison here. We get a little scene with him, and who we're going to find out is the father of time travel. Now that guy, I know he was in an episode of Third Watch. Um, <laughs> actually, he was in two episodes of Third Watch as different characters. He um the famous episode which I know Colin loves, where Carlos gets a bird. Uh, he's the one who gives the bird to Carlos, um, but his name is Lenny Flaherty. 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 But uh, obviously the escape from prison and we find out that they're on the moon, Lunar Supermax, which is kind of cool. Mm. And then the sort of only tracking shot we get is kind of the zoom out of the moon back to the earth. Uh, Men in Black 3. Cool. Um we cut to K and J. There's been like a an alien spacecraft that's crashed. And one thing that I love, like the the little trope, we only get like a couple of times, is kind of the way they deal with the flashy thing in this movie with Will Smith. So the way, what's this one? It's like, you know, when you're told to turn your phones off on a plane, this is what happens. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, listen to your stewardesses. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> so I kind of like that. Um, and I guess the whole point of the J and K stuff is K's grumpy. He's eating weird things in Pitta. 
uh, and Jay's sort of questioning him a little bit, like, how did you become like this? You know, um, something had to happen to you. We got him listening to like old style music on the radio. Is that Woody's Roundup when they're listening well, to that on the? Uh- <laughs> so on my captions, it came up as Roy Rogers, which I think is like what Woody's Roundup is supposed to be based on. So technically, yes. Okay, because every time I hear it, I rude Mister Cowboy. I, I, I hope one day I can get a recording, but uh, Casper uh, likes singing the Woody's Roundup song, but he always, he always like slows down his voice and then he'll go, rudeness, tootness, cowboy, and the wild, and they'll go, Woody's Roundup. <laughs> I think you have to, because I think when we did Cowboys and Aliens at 007 and we played oh, that, I think you mentioned it then, <laughs> but... Um, Ah, Toy Story 2. Can we just can we just take a moment to establish that that is probably the best of the franchise? I agree. On par with number one. Like, uh, always overlooked, Toy Story 2. Ah, oh, Toy Story 3 got nominated for an Oscar. Toy Story 3 is good. Just <laughs> not as good as Toy Story 3, as uh, Toy Story 2. Yeah. And let's not talk about Toy Story 4. Um, but so we're going to go back to MIB because Zed is dead. And Jay has got, uh, Kay has got the best eulogy, which, of course, I read out at the beginning We've got the worm guys looking shit here. He gives his shit little speech. And then we meet Emma Thompson, uh, who is the new head of MIB. I kind of like Will Smith here where he's kind of like looking like smiling, going like, oh, here he goes, here he goes. And then it's just like, that's it. Okay. Um, And I love Emma Thompson. Moving speech. Okay. Very, very solid (laughs) stuff. Um, although I think in the honest trailer, they kind of bag out this bit. Like this is maybe the cringiest bit in this whole movie. Like I, I know it's meant to be funny, but like, there's just something about it. The way Emma Thompson's like, Oh, and I think, uh, we all remember that great story of Zed when, as, as was told for me by some breed of alien, <laughs> like you kind of like, this is Emma Thompson doing that noise. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like Patrick Stewart as a poo uh, in the Emoji <laughs> movie. It's kind of like Ian McKellen as a cat in Cats. Um, you're trying to like go like, how do I digest this? This is meant I, to be funny. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like Tim- Timothy Dalton as Bond in The Living Daylights. Yeah, no, I'm going to let that one go through to the keep, Colin. That's a bad joke. Uh, fail on your behalf there. Um, so they're driving around the city. They're going off to uh, a restaurant here to check. Uh, obviously... Jay keeps questioning Kay about him being a grump. Like, they've been together for, what, like 14 years at this point? Why is he only questioning him now? Yeah. <laughs> like, is Kay, like, extra grumpy all of a sudden? I don't know. Um, Boris has gone to one of these many stores, which do exist, by the way, in New York. These stores that say, like, closing day on special, everything must yeah. go. Uh, just reminds you, you don't mess with the Zohan when they're basically like, oh, we always just put that out there because everyone thinks that they were always closing down. So everyone always comes in. I, I legitimately saw places in New York that have the big sign saying closing down, everything <laughs> must go. And I'm like, yep, okay, this is obviously a real thing. Uh, so he's there to get time travel as we're going to find out or the device. I don't think we've actually found out purely it's time travel, but he's there to find the device. And then Kay and Jay go to this Chinese restaurant, which this actor, the the chef guy, he's in lots of things, isn't he? Um, you know, I tried looking him up before we started. I didn't have that much time, although I did find out that he did voices in the animated Karate Kid series from the 80s. So that of might be what you're thinking he of. did. He was that the is... voice of Storm Shadow in G.I. Joe. It's his voice that you recognize, right? Ke- oh, absolutely. Keon Jung. Um, yeah, I guess... Uh, I guess this is a thing when it comes to like role of older Asian character, like um, what's his face, uh, Chen from Twenty Four. Yeah. Um, oh, he's always. G- in it. Is it 
G Lee, is that him? Um, he was like in Rush Hour and like, God, he's in everything. Um, but, you know, this guy is in lots of things. I'm he was Mr. Tanaka in an episode of The Golden Girls. Far out, Colin. You've, you've hit the nail. He's in Alias. He was Professor Choi uh, in Alias. Doom 3. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Dr. No. Doolittle 2. Here's, here's the real thing. He is not on Law & Order. So his uh, career is not done yet. I mean, I don't know. He's probably dead, but he's not dead. Good. You still have time for Law & Order, Kion. <laughs> Okay, I don't have the soundboard with me this week, so I can't unfortunately play sound effects. But you're going to laugh at me. You actually, there's two things I know him from from 90s movies as a kid Jack, great movie. We've talked about yeah. Jack, Robin Williams movie, underrated. And My Girl 2. Uh, <laughs> which, come on, My Girl, what okay. are we doing in the My Girl movies? You know what? I, I, uh, I, I haven't seen the My Girl movies since I probably was a kid, but. Uh, the other night I was looking to see what was on TV and it, do you remember the movie? It, it was capitalizing on the Jurassic Park craze because it came out the same year called Prehysteria. No, never heard of it. Oh, it was like a straight to, I think it was like one of the most successful straight to video movies ever because they were, were lucky enough. The movie got delayed and Jurassic Park uh, came out before it, but basically about kid with dinosaurs uh, and the kid from oh, my girl. Not, oh, hang on, hang on. No, I think, is that not called We're Back? Was that different? No, that was an is animated. This is a live action. Oh. oh, this is live action. Sorry, sorry. I, yeah. thought, I thought you said animated. My bad. Yeah, but uh, but but yeah, the the kid from Prehysteria was in My Girl Two. I'm like, I have no memories of My Girl Two oh, at Austin, all. Austin Butler, or the kid from um, Last, Last Action, Action Hero. Hero yeah, yeah, is it Austin Butler? Not Austin Butler. That's Elvis. Uh, Austin, Austin something, something or other. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, I know. Everybody else knows too. And then oh, we talked about that when we did fans. Last Action Hero. Yeah, exactly. What's his name? I like that kid, uh, Austin O'Brien. I knew there was an Austin yeah. in there somewhere. Whatever uh, happened to him? Yeah, I don't know, dead probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> drugs. <laughs> He's got a little uh, dong, let's be honest. He, he um, was robbing the bank with Rip Torn or he was uh, exposing himself in a theater with Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, probably. Um, by the way, Colin, I'm going to correct you, uh, by the way, when you said that Kion Yong, Ken, the guy that we were just talking about, <laughs> um, was in... What is that racist? Woo! Um, That's his character's name in the movie, Ben. <laughs> God, fuel! I was just wondering there. Oh, Keon Young as Mister you... Woo. Phew. Oh God, I thought we finally got cancelled. Uh, <laughs> of all things, going to cancel us is me, specifically saying the Asian guy is named Woo. I just thought you. Oh God. Oh, he's probably uh, named Woo. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> A B C. Um, he I'm was Keong in Law and Young. Order. Woo! He was in Law and Order. He was in Law and Order: Dead on the Money, a video game <laughs> where he played Paul Kim. Kind of say Hollywood. Can we like be a bit more diverse with our Asian character oh. names? He has played characters called Chin, uh, Gino. <laughs> Kuzo, Lo Ming, another chin, another chin. Uh, oh, you know what? The, the, worst, the worst thing about this, if you look through his filmography, like, uh, I mean, the guy's from Hawaii, okay. Um, but, like, he's basically playing Chinese, he's playing Korean, he's playing Japanese. Not all Asians are the same. There is a difference between them. And this is, this is you know, let's get Oz Network gets uh, political again. Like, we've got this big trend at the moment that, you know, uh, The Simpsons had it. We had to recast all the African-American characters oh, yeah. with African-American voices. 
a lot of people are calling out, uh, you know, why aren't they playing a, a gay character? Should be a gay actor, Brendan Fraser, soon to be Academy he's Award not, winner. They should. He's not really that fat. That's not fair. Ex- exactly. Why? When is Hollywood going to go? Not all Asians can play like a Korean can't play a Japanese person, or a Japanese person can't play a Chinese. Like they look different people. Yeah, there's different cultures. Like I mean, it's it's it's. When's that going to be a thing, right? Jamie, uh, Jamie's a big fan of the movie Memoirs of a Geisha. And I always complain anytime she watches that movie. I'm like, the only race they did not cast in this movie was Japanese actors. Every actor is Vietnamese, Korean, Chinese. There's a difference. But here we've got a New Zealand guy playing a biker alien. There was a prominent Asian actor who came out with the whole Oscar so white controversy and was kind of like, well, hang on a minute. When are we going to start talking about the whole thing? I think that was Ang, Asian like, actors. The, the director, Ang Lee, I think, was the one right. who did that originally. Which, look, you open up a can of worms of this sort of stuff because then everybody wants a piece of the pie. The Icelandic actors are going to be like, when are you going to focus on the Icelandics? Um, <laughs> Australians, we don't have a problem because we're just always there dominating Hollywood. You're welcome. But uh, And the Canadians, well, no one knows you're actually uh, Canadians. You're, always, you're Americans. You just blend in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they, that's, is that racist? Like, when are, when are they going to let Americans play Americans in movies? Stop casting yeah. Canadians as Americans. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're, like, we're making fun of this, but there was a slight bit of controversy when Henry Cavill was cast as Superman. What? 10 years ago people were like superman should be american yeah well this is we talked about on 007 about the the one you went on casting the next james bond and yeah colin uh your colin Noah was very much like oh i don't want an american playing james bond um, so and me honestly i don't really care if you can do the british accent enough and i believe you're british who cares um like controversial opinion from the host of the 27th best 007 uh, James Bond podcast. I think we've gone up the rankings. Every time I mention that, I think we started at like 52, but now we're 27th. So um, maybe they'll create a category to podcast awards that will win first time and then cancel it the next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's topical right now. Um, anyway, so we go to uh, <laughs> this restaurant with Law and Order's own. Um, Woo. And- <laughs> Woo. Yes, and that is his actual name. We're not just making that up. Um, and basically this whole sequence is they've got uh, – he's serving alien fish to people. Yeah. Uh, and, but then we've got some of Boris's people who are here. So we get sort of a, a big fight. No Balchinians this time around, so Colin's happy. Oh, good. Um, and we get a giant fish fight with Will Smith. I love the – what's the the head fish? Is that Bob or Doug or something like that? Like I think that, that was Bill Hader's dong. Bill Hader's dying. It's very large, very thick. Um, gets in the cracks. Spanish galleon. Um, what? <laughs> Quotes Tomb Raider, Ben Waterworth. Um, but, yeah, they get in a fight. Um, Boris shows up. I do love the, the trope where it's like, you're Boris the animal. It's just Boris. <laughs> um, kind of funny. Uh, we get a confrontation between him and Tommy Lee Jones. Obviously, we're not really learning what's happening here. He escapes and then we get a moment here, I guess, between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith where Tommy Lee Jones is reflective and Will Smith is trying to question him and Tommy Lee Jones is like, oh, there are some things that are above your pay grade. <laughs> Will Smith's like, we're partners. We're on the same pay grade. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I can't tell you and stop asking about it. Okay, I won't. You're suspended for two weeks duty. What? Four weeks, you're suspended. Um, can I just say, as somebody who, you know, having said this, the day recording this is about to start a new job tomorrow, hello to my new employees if they haven't listened to this, but I don't think I've ever had a job that if somebody said to me, you're suspended for two weeks, that I would be disappointed. I'd be like, sweet, yeah. two weeks holiday. <laughs> it's, I mean, I never got suspended in school, but I mean, there's a big difference between you're suspended and expelled. Suspended means go home, 
you're not yeah. going to be flunked out. Expelled means get out of my school. Like I, I was never a naughty kid. I was a, an angel, but like never got suspended. And I, I get like, it's going to look good on you, a uh, bad on your record moving forward. But there were kids who got <laughs> suspended at my school. And I'd be like, Oh, you lucky prick. You get a week off school. I love that. That's always the thing. Oh, it's going to look bad on your record. How many people do you think interview somebody for a job? that says, I'd like to pull their elementary school records. please. <laughs> I used to actually legitimately, when I applied for jobs, put like what primary school I went to. Ben, they don't care that you went to like grade two at Glenorchy Primary School, all right? Just like take that off your record. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, they're about to go back to MIB and we get another kind of cool flashy moment. I love this one. When you see like the fish getting taken up in the background and Will Smith is like, you know that thing you did as a, uh, you know, when your kids were younger and that you said that you were taking their goldfish away, but you actually flushed it down the toilet. This is what happened. Don't flush your kids down the toilet. Uh, flush your kids Don't down flush the toilet. Kids. Don't, yeah, Colin. Don't flush your kids down We've the toilet. We've got that sign that on our bathroom wall. Don't flush the kids yeah. down the toilet. Um, so anyway, uh, I'll just move forward here with a few bits. Uh, Will goes back to MIB. We get the typical men in black, uh, screen of the celebrities who are aliens. Gotta say Lady Gaga was the most obvious one they've ever done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's funny. Don't get me wrong. But, um, Tim Burton. Yeah. Uh, Yao Ming, Justin Bieber's on the wall there as well, I believe. Um, and... Yeah, was it was it was Barbara Streisand? Was she on another one? I don't know. Why I'm thinking of Barbara Streisand. Don't bring up <laughs> Barbara Streisand, Ben. Um, but um, yes, and he's trying to get more information about what happened with Boris and Kay, but it's restricted. We get a bit with uh, is this Emma Thompson's last scene in the movie? Um, I, yeah, she's yeah. really not in this movie, is she, Emma Thompson? So um, she has a bit of a back and forth here with Will about sort of talking about what happened and that it's above the clearance and she won't really explain. And we learn that these two were uh, Emma Thompson and Tommy Lee Jones's characters were obviously partners, which is this a bit of a plot hole or it's meant to be a plot hole? Because like we get that line later on when he says to Josh Brolin, like, how old are you? And he says like, oh, I'm 29. 29. Like, oh, you've got some city years on you because like, yeah. Doing the math, so 1969 to 2012 is what, 40, no, 53 years? 43 years. 43 yeah. years. So if he's 29 plus 43, 72? 69, so he's meant to be 72, 73. So is Emma Thompson meant to be like 72 or is he just, well, I guess she was like 21. So she's like 64. I mean, I don't know their real ages at this point. I think Tommy Lee Jones is older than we think he is, and I think Emma Thompson is. Uh, I, call Emma I, think Lee Thompson. I think it's the opposite. <laughs> I think that Tommy Lee Jones is younger than most people think he is. So Emma Thompson's only now 63. So she would have been 53 when this movie was made. Tommy Lee mm-hmm. Jones is 76 now, so he would have been 66 at the time this movie was made. Um, now, okay. there is a bit of a discrepancy with the timeline, though, Um I'll, I'll just say it now. I think it's uh, the '96 moment when they said you recruited me, and they imply it's '96 and not '97. Well, I think it, I think it actually times that there would be '94 because there, there's two parts in this movie. There's one part where he said when he's back in time, he says 25 years from now you're going to recruit me, which would place that at '94. And then uh, I guess oh, technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. technically this movie is 2009. Then, but uh, who knows? Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I, I forgot about that one. There, I know there was one where they, they kind of, the math worked out to be 96 and not 97, but I mean, maybe they go on when they filmed it. I, d- I don't know, but got to say, am I getting some good chemistry here between Emma Thompson and Will Smith? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be good chemistry with Emma Thompson and anybody. 
I mean, we, this is our first Emma Thompson movie we've done. I, 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 uh, I like some Emma Thompson. I mean, we scrapped Sense and Sensibility a couple of years ago, sadly. Um, yeah, sadly. We, Jamie would be, if we did a Jane Austen month, Jamie's there. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked me. about doing Junior. I mean, I think that would be the obvious choice if we're going to do anything else. I'd love to do Love Actually because I, I do like oh, Love yeah. Actually, but like the fun that would be with Love Actually is just that can we just spend like three hours talking about how horrible everyone is in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's always just like, oh, this sweet romantic movie. Every single human being in that movie is a dick. Well, well isn't the, the guy um, that he's on The Walking Dead now or he was on The Walking Dead, the, the guy in the Kira Knightley story? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, the I, worst. And and he, I think it was him. It was either him or Kira Knightley who came out very recently and basically said, "Yeah, I don't know if I can watch Love Actually now because, like, I'm a. T- I think it was the guy saying, I'm a terrible person in that movie." Yeah, and speaking from someone who's probably pretty much experienced what happens in that scene, um, I can say it's not fun to be the the husband in that situation. So, fuck off, Love Actually. Um, hey, hey, the. the, although, the, the the guy, well, I think his name is Colin in the movie. The British guy who goes to America because he thinks his accent's oh, yeah, going to yeah. get laid. Alicia yeah. Cuthbert, Denise Richards. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some good man. people. There's some good people in that sequence. And I will say, people who try to retcon the Hugh Grant Prime Minister as being like inappropriate with the woman in the workplace, oh, she's no, coming no. on to him just the same, and they fall in love. Yeah, exactly. So, like this isn't like Monica like Lewinsky. <laughs> Exactly. It's not like he's being a predator to her and like holding her. Like, that's how they retcon yeah. love, actually. She's putting law, like legal charges against him six months later. Come on. Billy Bob Thornton is the predator in that movie. Exactly. He's the Bill Clinton of that movie. Hello, <laughs> Bill Clinton, if you're listening. Um, so I might just sort of cap it. Actually, no, I'll cap it to the bit where they're on the phone together. So, yeah, we're sort of – Will Smith is basically finding out that there's a lot of secrets going on here and he doesn't really know what's happening, which can I just say, obviously a fair way away from the bit at the end, but – this is one of those twists that comes in this movie, which on paper, if you had read that out to me, I would have gone like, no, nah, I don't want to see that movie. Yeah. That's cheesy and crap. But it's brilliant. And like mm-hmm. when you know the twist and you know these sort of things, and like, fuck, it's emotional. I'm just saying it right now. It is clever. And you can do that in Men in Black because you have the flashy thing. So yeah. like it can kind of retcon things without putting plot holes into earlier movies. So um, we'll get to that. But I just like scenes like this where she's obviously knowing what's happened and you know why Tommy Lee Jones is how he is. Like, it it adds a different layer to it when the first time you're watching this, obviously you have no idea what's happening with it. Um, so we, I kind of like, you talked about before the drama in this scene. This is just a simple little scene, kind of them on the phone with each other. I, I like Will Smith in his apartment. He's yes. tiny little studio New York apartment. It's tiny. <laughs> um, but having lived in New York, this is a New York thing. But I love the big giant pug poster on his wall. Um having a conversation and meanwhile Tommy Lee Jones is like old style New York with the bookshelf and the, I feel like he's about to do like a public service announcement. Like, welcome <laughs> tonight, tonight on Tommy Lee reads you a book. <laughs> but uh, it's kind of like a nice little sweet scene where Will Smith is basically like, no, if you're not going to tell me what happened, I don't want to talk to you. And yeah, basically Cage is kind of going on about things. And then we get a, he hangs up and we see a scene of him getting a weapon sitting on a chair, and then he disappears, and then pretty much the entire world has changed. Uh, I might cap it there. That's about a third Mm -hmm. of the movie. Uh, You know, one of the things that uh, I'm always surprised about is that Tommy Lee Jones is actually in a pretty good chunk of this movie at the beginning. Like you said, we're we're almost a third of the way through the movie here, 
And Tom Lee Jones is only now out because I always sort of remember this as being, oh, yeah, Tom Lee Jones has like one or two scenes at the beginning. He's got one scene at the end and it's basically a glorified cameo. But outside of Will Smith and Josh Brolin, Tom Lee Jones probably has the most screen time in this movie still. It's just it all happens to be up front. And in comparison, when we were doing Men in Black one two weeks ago, I was thinking about the fact that like Tommy Lee Jones doesn't even come into that movie until it's almost half an hour in. So if you were to add up screen time for part one to part three, or and even include part two, because he's really not in the first half hour of part two either, it's not that much of a difference. It's just, it feels so much bigger in this one because he's there at the beginning and then he's gone. This is going to be the weirdest comparison ever, but uh, you know that uh, vampire movie that Tom Cruise didn't know he was in until two years later? Interview with the Vampire? <laughs> so, um, Love that. I've never seen it. <laughs> I love Bowfinger. <laughs> uh, but uh, Jamie had picked that up in like a bargain bin and she'd been asking to watch it. And I told her, I'm like, I've seen that movie so many times and I don't like it. Tom Cruise is great in it, but I don't like that movie. And she insisted last night, just like, okay, we're going to watch this and then I'll let you watch whatever you want tomorrow. Um, but in that movie, it's the same thing because Tom Cruise is in that movie for like the first hour or so. And then he's gone. And I always sort of remember, it's like, oh, Tom Cruise is barely in that movie. But it's just that he has so much at the beginning and then he's gone for 45 minutes. So you're like, well, this is a supporting role. But I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is probably in this almost as much if you're just looking at minutes as the first and the second movie. It's just because you're looking at a younger version of a character and because all the scenes are at the beginning, it doesn't feel the same. Uh, second Bowfinger uh, reference here. Uh, so <laughs> the, uh, the bad actor... Uh, line delivery here from the the prison guard at the beginning when she's like it's just a cake he looks at uh, nicole schlerzinger and he <laughs> he says i decide what it is it just reminds me of the guy bowfinger tough guys like you don't get far in this world mister <laughs> like this guy was definitely like doing bowfinger come we on we have to let's get let's get matt's schedule let's just plan bowfinger oh, month. good fucking luck with that uh <laughs> We're still waiting on JCVD month from like three years ago. Um, uh, so we, we need to do a one-off. Like we'll just work it out with Matt at one point yeah. just to do a one-off Bowfinger because that, that episode is going to go for like five hours. Yeah, we can split it up over a month. It'll be four Bowfinger episodes. There's our Bowfinger <laughs> <one>, Bowfinger. <laughs> Chubby Rain. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I also like though this guard afterwards when he examines it, he like six figure looks like some kind of cake. <laughs> yes. Uh, obvious. Um, well, that's funny is, when he, cause he, what does he say? Like, was that Boris when it's just like, it's just a cake and there's, oh, I'll decide what it is. Yeah. It's just a yeah. cake. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of cake. <laughs> um, <laughs> Boris is like, he is such a memorable villain that this, the movie that I've definitely seen more than Jamie. I think this is my fourth time watching it. Um, and the last time I watched it, was last year uh every time when i watch this movie jamie will be i'll be like oh i'm watching men in black three or whatever and jamie will be like oh is that the one with a really cool villain like that's the only thing she 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 could not even tell you that there's a young tommy lee jones in this movie but yet she remembers boris uh and there's so much about him it's the look of the character it's the voice it's his delivery i mean i've I, like i said i haven't seen him in uh flight of the concords i i actually tried to uh i didn't have time to do it this week because i was busy but uh I, have a, I had a job um ben's gonna be joining the working class this week so he'll know how that hey, feels excuse me <laughs> i can complain about that too in a few more days You're yeah welcome. this is my i'm saying it now because it's my last chance to complain that i'm employed um but yeah i'm i actually tried to watch uh what what is it what we do in the shadows oh yeah yeah, the, the vampire one that he did. I, I actually Which planned is, to... That was, was that Taika Waititi's first ever movie, wasn't it? 
I think it was first or second. Uh, but it, yeah, it was very early for, I guess, both of their careers. But um, I, I tended to watch that immediately after watching Men in Black 3, and then I just didn't have the time. But uh, looking at him in real life, you know, seeing interviews with him, he is literally nothing like this character, which is a lot like Vincent D'Onofrio. Dun, dun. Uh, I, can't, I can't do it. Dun, I'll dun. do it. Dun, dun. <laughs> we still have to do it. <laughs> Manual. Uh, but It's uh, legal. It, it's actually it's a law of the world. Uh, another thing that's this really different about him is that this is the first scary villain we've had in men in black and really the yeah. first scary alien. Cause I, I guess you could say Edgar, the bug at the end when he takes the bug form oh, is kind of scary. And freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. But because you just have this goofy guy running around with his face falling off his skins goofy. and even well, he put goofy. Oh, I'm goofy. <laughs> oh God. Not again. <laughs> Start with the goofy movie. <laughs> I've still never seen that movie, but yeah, like he's, he's, <laughs> we just need to watch it. But like, I don't get it all. Like, yeah, everyone's right. This is amazing. Uh, watch. That'll be Matt's uh, stipulation. We'll do Bowfinger if we could do the goofy movie first. Um, we get Noah back on this show. That's the only way we're going to get him back on the show. Uh, that or to, well, I guess no, uh, maybe the next James Bond movie. He'll make another appearance. Is that outside of loss? Is that the only thing Noah's done on this podcast in the last three years? Um, I think he was on the Oslet reunion episode. Uh, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Three, four years ago. Uh, but yeah, Boris is like a scary villain from the beginning to end. And even the his power with the little you know alien things he shoots out, that's pretty graphic for a Men in Black movie. And Men in Black's not really known for being graphic at all. It's kind of just known for being goofy. Uh, instead, they get graphic in this movie. Um yeah, the uh, we talked about not knowing the the whole hierarchy with Serlina in the second movie with uh, what is it Johnny Knoxville's character. It's it's mm. kind of equally confusing here because I guess Boris has been locked up for thirty years. So Nicole Schlesinger, uh, does she she obviously doesn't know him because she has that line I said at the beginning. You're much more unconventionally handsome than your photos. So how is she allowed in this prison? Like this is the highest security prison. They have visitation here. Because I kind of thought the whole point was this p- prison is so high security, nobody can get in there, which is why there hasn't been a threat with Boris for 30, 40 years. She's too young, I would think, to have been there in 1969. So who's putting together this plan where nobody can communicate with this prison? That's just one thing. that It doesn't bother me because, like I said, even with part two, I'm not so much bothered by stuff as Ugh. I'm, I'm, oh. I get gassy. I'm just not bothered. I'm not so much bothered. I'm just gassy at things that uh, aren't fully explained. Um, yeah, the uh, the the thing with the 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 spaceship, his neuralizing thing. Uh, that was the other thing. You know when they tell you to turn your cell phones off on the plane, but you didn't don't do it. And then he has that line right at the end, like he's he's getting ready to walk off. He's so ticked off. He's like, now you're gonna drive off a cliff tonight because your GPS don't work. And it just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and then you mentioned like the. the 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 street food that Tommy Jones is eating was like, I think I see a tooth in that thing or a claw or something. Yeah. Um, that shouldn't be in Pitta. That, yeah. <laughs> is, is New York street food something you were able to try while you're there? I'm assuming you tried it at least a few times. Um, no, I don't think, oh, I got like a, a, a Central Park hot dog, um, which I remember getting it going like, I might die from this, but no, it was fine. Like, I, I, you know, it's one of these traveler tips that people always say to you when you travel, I'd never eat the street food. Mm. Um, but when I was in Mexico, the best probably Mexican food I ever had was off a street vendor cart. I don't know what it was, probably dog or something, but, um, it was great. Um, but yeah, no, you see it. I mean, this is the thing with a city like New York. They're, they're everywhere. These, they're everywhere. everywhere. Um, (laughs) 
street vendors and some of them look better than others. Uh, the worst one I ever saw was when I was in Malaysia. I was in this alley that would walk through to my hotel. It was this rotten, wretched, stinky alley with like disease-looking feral cats and weird-looking sex workers. Just stunk. And there was like a food cart in it and people were eating it. I'm like, God, I'm going to vomit right now. I cannot think of eating food here. Um, but it, obviously it was good because there were a lot of people eating there and that's where you you follow the all the people are. It's like if you're in... Uh, like a city, I don't know if it's the same in Winnipeg, and you see uh, an Asian restaurant with a lot of Asian people eating in it, you know, it's obviously good. So, yeah. 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 If you see a bunch of white people eating there, then that's the one you avoid. It's shit. It, <laughs> exactly. You go away. Yep. Um, the, uh, uh, the the thing with, with Woo here that's coming, well, first I'll just mention the hot dogs. Most hot dogs already have claws and teeth in them, so nobody eats yeah. regular hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> there is no difference in New York. But uh, yeah, when they go to, oh, I guess the the Woo scenes before or after the, uh, the Zed, I guess the Zed funerals first. Okay. So uh, yeah, the Zed speech, this reminds me of, I you, you said you haven't seen Parks and Recreation, but I'm sure you've seen the Ron Swanson meme uh, about the best friend he ever had. Do you know that one? Sure. Yep. Right. It. It's it's basically a quote from Parks and Recreation. And he was, I once worked with a man for three years and never got to know his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. Um, that, that's basically the, the, exactly. Yes. Or I said Noah, I specifically with Noah, but uh, I, I mean, I, I like this because it's, it's so Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, there is, I, I guess we'll call it a bit of a plot hole where he says he never shared any details of his personal life, but we finished the last movie with him talking about me and this, uh, you know, whatever alien once and like that part. I really hated at the end of men in black too. <laughs> he definitely was oversharing there. That was the point of the final scene in men in black too. Um, I don't really have a problem with Emma Thompson doing her whole alien speak. It is kind of out of place. I can imagine somebody else doing that. It would have bothered me. Zed doing that would have bothered me. Tommy Lee Jones did it in the first movie though. Like uh, when he's introducing the, the two guys at the console or ever goes, this is and Bob, right? Uh, so it, it's right. not something that doesn't fit men in black. So like, what is the specific issue people have with that? Is it just, it's too over the top because Emma Thompson's so Shakespearean serious? Yeah, probably. And But like, I think, the difference between like Tommy Lee Jones going like, oh, and this is and Bob. Like it's just a it's a brief like, haha, that's funny. Mm. Not like full on going like like it just it just right. it, I don't know. It just seems a bit silly and childish. Like like if they had have done something a little bit more like and as Tommy as you know Frank from the alien race of Geneva said like that would have been a bit you know like like last week with the whole like, yeah. like that was kind of funny. So I I don't know. I think it's just it's a bit it's a bit silly, I think, the way she does it. Hey, beep, 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 beep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I personally think balls on somebody's face is a little bit sillier than this, but that's just no, that's me. hilarious. That's comedy <laughs> gold. Uh, speaking of balls, yeah, so the Wu scene here, uh, I, I love Wu is trying to pretend he's Asian. So my name is Wu. That means I'm Asian. You don't know which race, but I'm Asian. It's a hate crime if you, if you shut me down. That's a hate <laughs> yeah. crime. You're not even Chinese. <laughs> Yeah, well, I love when he all of a sudden changes into his regular persona. He's like, why are you guys busting my balls? You don't have any balls, Woo. <laughs> um, yeah, I get told that a lot. It, well, and it's true in your case, too. Um, yeah, the hate crime line is hilarious. Uh, there, there's a lot of, they've gotten back to a lot of these subtle background jokes. And you mentioned, like, being able to see Lady Gaga and Yao Ming and everybody on the, the screen where it, it, it's not even something you're going to catch seeing it on the big screen the first time. Like a lot of these jokes you catch because you read the trivia, there's one bit that I'm still trying to figure out if it's real or not that we'll get to later on when they're in the 69 sequence. But um, 
one of the, the little tiny things that happens in the background here that's just hilarious is when they have the fight scene in the back and somebody, I think one of the henchmen or whatever, kind of falls on top of that big fish with a face and you just see the fish very quietly go, hey! <laughs> like, yeah. it's just this, <laughs> the saddest, most, oh, sad fish. <laughs> uh, and that's, <laughs> um, but uh, the other thing that, again, makes me dislike the, Kung Fu fighting the Kung Fu K in part two, even more is the fight scene in the back here. He's ramming a guy into pots and pans. And then he hits a guy with a pan on the face. Now, if he was capable of jumping in the air and levitating himself for 10 seconds and then kicking somebody with a Kung Fu kick in the face, he would have done that. So I hate the Kung Fu stuff in part two, even more because this is the way K fights. My K fights with pots and pans. That's it. Um, <laughs> and weird alien fish baby thing yeah yeah ex exactly um the uh the the scene with boris so um so is there a scene i'm, I'm kind of mixed up here now boris hasn't met tommy lee jones yet has he uh no he's he on the roof here i think okay there uh, he chases him to the roof and then he runs a, yeah they have like a confrontation on the roof here and because right. I, I should have mentioned yeah I'll, you keep talking I'll, i i've got to actually mention kind of the plot of this movie so i'll get yeah. to that but yeah he sort of talks a little bit about because he's where he's like you're already dead or something like that yeah yeah i was trying to figure out where this place in the timeline because uh, i know we have the scene where he just disappears because you're expecting boris to come but another just really subtly funny tom lee jones line here this is boris uh i see that the arm i shot off is still shot off <laughs> just as a, the men in black awkward pause to finish a, a one-liner is so great um, and yeah, you mentioned the flush goldfish line. That's a, Will Smith delivering the neuralizers is like the one trademark you can never do a men in black without it. When we get to international for the only second time I've ever watched the movie and the only time I'll ever be watching it by obligation. Uh, I, I'm hoping that they have some good neuralizing speech stuff. I in it. can't remember. I don't even know if, do we get neuralizing much in, I, I mean, just can't have, remember like, it. It just, to me, it feels like, like I said, you can't do men in black without Tom Lee Jones and Will Smith. You can't do it without some weird kooky looking aliens. You can't do it without some type of play on. It's something smaller than you expect. Like it's small and you know, like, like That's balls. It's like the balls, right? Uh, but you also, I just feel like you can't do it without neuralizing and the whole neuralizing jokes that come along with it. Um, the, uh, I, just, I can't, I can't, I can't remember Chris Hensley. G'day mate. How you doing? So if you look here in the flashy thing, yeah, crikey, you guys fucking fucked up, mate. Now fuck yeah. off. Uh, that's yeah. basically what happens. Um, the uh, the the before we get to the I guess the the future stuff is there's just the one conversation they have over the phone, and he disappears. So there's something that's never explained in this movie, which probably I shouldn't be bringing up now. So I don't know why I am, but it's a whole thing about how Jay remembers this. They they loosely say something that that's because you were there, but like, but he wasn't because it does, hasn't technically happened yet. So one of a few paradoxes, but I'm, I'm not going to be knocking a lot of the time uh, travel in this movie a lot because yeah, I, I would argue outside people try to poke holes in back to the future and say this is a plot hole. And there isn't a single plot hole anybody's ever brought up back to the future where I don't feel like it's actually explained in the movie. If you pay attention, men in black is maybe the second best movie ever to kind of use time travel is for, for entertainment purposes outside of something I like disagree. Austin powers too. When they <laughs> oh, cool, deliberately cool, make fun of it, when they, when they stare into the camera and it's like, but if I go back and I do this and blah, 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 oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. And then when yeah. he stares in the camera, just like, just go along and enjoy it, Austin. And you at home too. And they like <laughs> wink at the camera like that to me. It's hilarious. I, I think this is uh it's one of the more clever takes, I guess, to say on time travel. 
because you can't just do Back to the Future 2 with this, but the way that they do the time travel is interesting. And also just the way that the, I guess the audience doesn't really know exactly what's happening. Like, I love that that phone conversation has Kay pulling out his gun and just waiting for Boris and disappearing. Cause like, even they have no clue that this is going to be all about time travel. Uh, so I guess we'll get more into the time travel stuff later on. There's a nice line though in the, uh, I think it's the phone conversation here where Tommy Lee Jones is getting kind of stern. He goes, uh, let's try taking a little bit of the bass out of your voice there. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, the PlayStation, I guess this is the Game Boy that Will Smith was referring to in the, the, yep. the last movie. He's playing the, the Game Boy here on his PS3. Uh, would have been PS3 at this point, 2012. I think he, doesn't he have an Xbox? I oh, maybe it is an Xbox. The controller. I need to go yeah. back here and look at the controller here. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's a, it looks like a PlayStation. Yeah, it'd be a PlayStation 3. I, this That's is a Sony. Uh, of course it's a PlayStation. It's a Sony, it's a Sony movie, movie yeah. Ben. <laughs> Fucking idiot, Ben. Jesus. And I need to wah, 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 wah. I'm sure he's playing 21 Jump Street, the video game right now in this scene too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this is technically, I guess, in the next scene, but the same apartment. So the Tommy Lee Jones apartment here. I was really trying to figure out, I'm like, is this the same apartment from the last movie where, you know, he goes and gets his store of guns from, you know, five years earlier or whatever. Oh, it, it's, it's different though. Me, I love it. I, yeah. I was going to say, I don't think it is, but yeah, yeah okay, I checked. It's point. a different one. So he, I used to live here, folks. Yeah. He, he has multiple apartments uh, now. I know he never was able to reclaim his old one, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Tom Lee Jones, Will Smith stuff, like they have that chemistry that just, it doesn't matter how bad the movie is. They're going to be good together. That's what we kind of learned in Men in Black too. is that the movie can suck and they're still great to watch together. Uh, but luckily here, they don't suck. Yeah, they don't suck. Um, <laughs> that, oh, I had a popping tip there. I, I think it was, <laughs> luckily here, they don't suck. <clears throat> For what you missed. It's, um, to, to spoil uh, how we generally record, we usually stare at each other's faces with cameras. And uh, this week we're not. So therefore I didn't get any signal of I'm about to cough. So that didn't yeah. die. And I thought Colin just died. I just thought like, okay, cool. Remember we used to do this in Skype and never looked at each other. Those yeah. are good days. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, we change our profile pics too. So we wouldn't have to, now I'm literally uh, staring at you doing, I think you're trying to do a Jedi mind trick on me <laughs> dressed always. as a men in black. You, I guess you're appropriately exactly. dressed. Exactly. That's exactly what I am trying to do. Thank you for finally being the first person to uh, ever notice that. Um, yeah, so I guess I should mention the plot, uh, the reason why Boris is going back in time. So he basically wants to go get revenge for his arm getting shot off by Kay. And then Kay back in the day, <laughs> get what I say, um, had put a uh, basically a giant shield over the earth, the Arknet, to protect the earth from Boglodites who are the race of aliens that is Boris. But don't we find out that he's the only Boglodite left? So what's the threat of destroying earth? I don't see, get it. See, but. Ben literally just recited verbatim the lyrics for the rejected Will Smith theme to this movie. I did. He couldn't figure yeah. out how to get the rhythm right to, but he's a Boglodite, but <laughs> that's, that was the tricky part in the lyrics. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, last week I was able to, you were like going like, oh, I don't really know the um, the plot of this movie. So I read you the lyrics to uh, nod your head. I'm going to read you some lyrics <laughs> to Back in Time by Pitbull to see if this explains the plot of this movie. <clears throat> Miami equals black mask, uh-huh, black gloves with a little bit of rope to die. I flipped it. 
Black suits, oh yeah. White shirts, black glasses with a matching tie, like Agent J or Agent K, and I wish the whole world would okay. I think that, yeah, that's the plot of this movie. Uh, well, no, because, I mean, then there's the plot twist of baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, my sweet baby, you're the one. I, I, I do like Pitbull, uh, but I always like to say the Pitbull school of rap is that where most rappers, and coming from a very white man, I know all about rap, <laughs> is that generally you're telling a story with your lyrics, right? And the rhyming and the rhythm comes along with it. Pitbull gets a dictionary and just goes, that word rhymes. <laughs> so I'm just going to read some of the lyrics here to see if you, this tells the story or makes any sense. Or it's just got the dictionary. I got the globe, yeah, in the palm of my hand. Wherever I spin it, that's where I land. Let's save the world. Men in black, I know you understand. <laughs> like, Stop the movement. On, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bull. Li- um, I love that he literally switches languages here. They can try if they want to. Ignore our lo Latino. See, <laughs> I can't rhyme in English, but I can in Spanish. Or if he gets even lazier, he just rhymes the same word with the same word. What pit souls is a bit raw. Took like jigsaw and built it all. Despite a big loss, I bet it all. <laughs> and then he ends it with... And fought blind against the world, Ray Charles. That's offensive. <laughs> oh, Pitt, Mr. Bull. Uh, what happened to him? He hasn't been heard of since 2012. Did he Was die he... after this song? Or I, I thought, did he do the uh, the Aquaman uh, Africa song? Or was that oh, somebody else? Oh, he did. Else? Yeah, yeah. The, the meme. No, that was him. He did the official World Cup song of 2014. When we're getting ready to do uh, our World Cup coverage, Colin, I've, I've got to mention, you and Jared need to do some research on the official World Cup songs because they're half the fun. We don't get that oh, in the Olympics know, anymore. I, I was at Walmart today and I saw they have their World Cup section of merchandise out right now selling Ooh. pajama bottoms for various Ooh. countries. So, well... I'm telling you now, if you can get a Canadian jersey, you're a, you're a very lucky man because I've had to order one from a website. It's apparently not arriving until December 2029. Um, <laughs> like they're just this, they're sold out. And I, since being in Sydney, I went to a sports store yesterday, a very big one, and they had an entire section of World Cup jerseys. And I'm talking like not just your, your Australias, your Frances, your Germanys, your, your Spains. They had freaking like Ghana, Nigeria, like countries where I'm thinking like, okay, Australians should not care about that. They've probably got about like 28 of the 32 countries. So I've gone up to the person in the store. I'm like, all right, cool. Where are your Canadian jerseys? He sort of looked at me and was like, oh, they're in the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, I think we're getting some USA ones in soon. And I'm like, well, that's the same. Racist. Um, so, although I did buy the official book yesterday of the World Cup, Colin. So I'm prepared for this World Cup coverage. Get excited. This is, uh, um, this, this shouldn't be in the episode right now, but uh, I just want to highlight on CanadaSoccerStore.com. I'm going to send you a screenshot uh, that the women's shirts, they have decided to put, although there's no body in them, they've decided to put them complete with, I guess, invisible boobs, which is the weirdest <laughs> thing. Um, it's not letting me, I'll, I'll send you the link. This will, uh, everybody Google it right now. Invisible boobs. Yes. Google invisible, invisible boobs. boobs. Um, I, yeah, off the podium, listen to the undefeated sports <laughs> podcast award winner. <laughs> we, we always just need to use that moving forward. Uh, World Cup coverage. Uh, anything else to add or am I moving on here? Yeah, we can move on. Okay, all right. So, uh, the t- uh, to answer your question before when you said how, yeah, it's, it's a time travel movie. You often get things a bit skewy, but I think their implication of, yeah, that he was there. So, it's kind of like one of these um, time travel things where, like, 
oh, he was always there. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, well, it's well, and we'll debate it more on the end. Well, well, yeah, I'll think about that over the next hour. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Will goes to Tommy Lee Jones' apartment. It's it's a woman with a baby. He's wanting chocolate milk, which kind of say this is just me in real life. Give me chocolate milk. Uh, Give me a milk. I chocolates. <laughs> I love chocolate. Do you like chocolate milk, Colin? Oh, love it. Chocolate milk. I actually will say I prefer strawberry milk even over chocolate milk. But okay. I, I try. Bad, bad call, but strawberry milk's not bad. I, I I don't disagree with strawberry milk being good, but, you know, come on, be an adult. Drink <laughs> chocolate. They've started selling vanilla syrup here so you Ooh. can make vanilla milk, which Ooh. is actually really good. I am definitely one of these people who don't like the, uh, the, the opinion that vanilla is boring and bland. Uh, vanilla is one of my favorite flavors. And if you get a good vanilla, like vin- I order vanilla milkshakes. And if you get a good vanilla milkshake, oh, that's sex on a sex in a cup. Basically. <laughs> Colin would know what that is because he hasn't had sex. But anyway, I know what a cup so, is, um, Ben. I do know what a cup is. <laughs> well, <laughs> in the words, in the words of a great man, you're halfway there. Um, <laughs> well, we're halfway there. When are we doing that episode? Bon Jovi's <laughs> biography. Does he have one? Is there a movie out there? Uh, John Bon Jovi VH1, VH1 <laughs> behind the music. The mullet. The Bon John Bon John Jovi. Bon the John Bon John Jovi. Jovi. When I would be staying in New Jersey, I got told off because I'd be like, oh, I love Bon Jovi. And like, Ben, that's the redheaded stepchild of, um, you know, rock musicians in New Jersey. If you don't like Bruce Springsteen, you, you may as well get deported. As an Australian, I know like three Bruce Springsteen songs. So, you know. Uh, give me my New Jersey rockers have mullets and sing better than Bruce Springsteen. Spoiler alert. Well, not spoiler alert. What's that mean? Uh, controversial opinion. Spo- spoiler alert. <laughs> I've lost the plot. Anyway, so I need some chocolate milk. Uh, he steals it from a little baby. Uh, this is what I do as well. He goes back to Men in Black headquarters. There's a different person there. Will Arnett comes into the elevator because <laughs> reasons. Um, and Will Smith has no idea what's going on. Will Smith, Will Arnett, we've got the two Wills here. Big Willie style, huh? Get it? Um, and then he's going around men in black going like, where's Kay? Where's Kay? I don't know a Kay. There's no Kay. It doesn't exist. And he's drinking all the chocolate milk, and then basically Emma Thompson says that Kay's been dead for like 30 years or whatever it is, and then she realises because he's drinking all the chocolate milk that Something must have happened. Either you're like an alien who's about to drop dead in like two minutes or there's time travel, uh, which is kind of cool. Like I I like the way they kind of play on this, which, I mean, you know, trailer spoiled it. Pitbull song spoiled it. <laughs> so we knew this was coming. <laughs> Pitbull's always spoiling things. Um, so, yeah, basically we find out that in this world, uh, Kay died back with Boris, and now that Boris and the Boglodites are getting ready to destroy the Earth, the little shield thing hasn't protected it. So Will Smith is going to have to go back in time. Let's make a movie, baby. Ah, oh, excuse baby. Um, I mean, like, people's Latino, so he's obviously not black. But, like, I think Latinos are, like, half black, half white, so therefore I feel like I've got half of me that I can actually rap, if you know what I mean. So, Because you're Latino? Is that racist? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm not Latino. I'm nothing. I'm white. I'm not cultural at all. Uh, I'm, I'm a white guy from Hobart, Colin. Um, 
You're a white guy from Winnipeg. We're both like the whitest people on the planet. But we're at least we half cultural, right? At all. I'm I'm literally right now where I am in Sydney. I'm staying in like the um the Middle East in the Muslim district. And I got off the train last night and I walked to the supermarket and like all the stores are like you know like uh, all in Arabic and it's, just, it's amazing. Like I was like, wow, this is the most cultural walk I've ever done in my entire <laughs> life <laughs> because I'm from home. But the only culture <laughs> we've got is like that KFC is from Kentucky, so that must be foreign food. Um, so I, it's great. This, I love it. I, we're gonna keep getting sidetracked. I got to put the kids to bed soon. Um, the, How long we got, comedian? Uh, an hour and fifteen minutes, maybe. Um, oh, easy. The, there's this uh, comedian I heard once, and I, I still, I, I don't even know the last time I saw this clip, but I, I still will like quote this. Um, the guy was basically talking about being like a police officer in this small town in New Hampshire or something like that, right? And he said, some guy came up to me once and he said, did you ever pull over a black man while you were a cop out there? And he goes, I never saw a black man when I was out there. If I saw him, <laughs> I would have pulled him over, given him directions because he was probably lost. <laughs> Well, I know for a fact when I first went overseas, when I first went to America and Canada, it is like a thing where you're like, wow, okay, cool. Like, I mean, Australia is diverse. I'm not saying we're not diverse, but like Hobart, um, you know, I don't know. I ever saw like a non-white person for a long time. I mean, Asian immigration, but, you know. I've lived in areas where I'm like, oh, look, there's a white kid over there. Don't see one of those every day. I, I mean, when I was uh, staying in New York and I like, I walked this district and I think for about a good 20 minutes, I was the only white person. I'm like, oh, this is new. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> Wouldn't get that in Hobart. Uh, anyway, uh, Oz Network talking about racial issues, always a positive thing. Hey, doing Max Dawson. Um, I don't have the sound effect for him this week. Anyway, so Will has to go back in time to stop Kay from dying and do basically the timeline that already had happened beforehand uh so for him to be able to go back in time what is it pitbull gotta go back yeah anyway uh he goes and sees this guy in the going out of business store uh i like this guy when he's kind of like oh like black suit things you know am i right like you know does a fist bump and he leaves him hanging this this guy's me basically tries (laughs) to be cool um and and never gets cool and meanwhile all this is happening we realize that the aliens are invading the world because we see the eiffel tower getting destroyed and the aliens invading new york it's i i kind of like the way they're just kind of doing it slowly and not really caring too much it's funny very men in black um so in order for him to go back in time i keep saying the words back in time and i want to <laughs> rap like pitbull like you want to sing like huey lewis in the news <laughs> Who doesn't want to sing like Huey Lewis? And the- when's the Pitbull Huey Lewis collaboration yeah. coming soon? Missed opportunity. God damn it! Uh, excuse me, baby. Yeah, you, baby. Oh yeah, groovy, baby. Let's make a movie, baby. Excuse me, but I mean Huey Lewis is right for those lyrics. <laughs> um, just yeah. Anyway, uh, so they've got to go back in time. Stop it, back. God damn it. Bring back Will Smith rapping. My head's going crazy. Pitbull and Nicole Scherzlinger. I can't handle the early noughteens or whatever you call it. It's 2012. We're in London for the Olympics. Um, uh, Michael Jackson was freshly dead. Uh, what? David Bowie was still alive. Uh, all, all the James Bonds were still alive. Oh, great. I just killed another one. Um, so he's got to jump off the Chrysler building, time jump. Which, again, funny. Um, love the Chrysler building. Beautiful building. Second best building in New York. Um, and so he jumps off. I, I love the thing that is, like, hilarious about this, going back to kind of, like, the special effects, is that and just the 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 feel of this movie. Like, there's no fear from Will Smith. A little bit of fear, but, like, 
guy's on the top of the Chrysler building here. He should be shitting himself. Yeah. Uh, but I love the way this guy's explaining like the thing. He's like, okay, so you got to press that. You got to break the circuit. You got to do this. Oh, it's about like two feet from the ground. And he's <laughs> <just> like, what? <laughs> And I love the, the light. Like, I actually, like, all jokes aside, I don't know if it's all jokes aside, but I love the way they kind of, like, handle, like, the, the racism from the 60s in this movie. Yeah. So, like, I love what this guy's like, it wasn't exactly a great time for your people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you should probably stay here. Things have changed. Well, some people would argue they haven't, but, uh, you know, that's another topic of conversation. So, Will Smith jumps off the Chrysler building. We get some cool visual effects here. I love, like, the the dinosaurs that come through it. The stock market crash. Like, I oh, love kind of him jumping off the building and you see the other guy, like, jumping off the building <laughs> with him. It's kind of funny. So, apparently, that's uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. In the... Oh, jumping off the building. He's the, he's he's, the stock market guy who's jumping out of the building. So, he's a bit disappointed that Many Black 2 wasn't as well received. Yeah, exactly. As, uh, <laughs> uh, I like it when he's in the elevator. It kind of reminds you of um, Spider-Man 2 when he's in the elevator yeah. with the guy from <laughs> Queer as Folk. It's like, oh, Chief's like a bitch or rise up the crotch or whatever he says it is. <laughs> But, uh, like, so when Will Smith is in the elevator and he's, like, going, like, the date, the time, come on, man, you think I'm weird. Yeah. I was to imply that this guy's, like, incredibly racist because the way he's, like, leaning away from Will Smith. Like, is that because it's 1969 and, like, oh, I no, the black so, man's yeah. in the elevator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I do love kind of, like, how Will Smith plays up to this and sort of steals his car and he's, like, oh, yes, sir, I will drive this right away, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Does that? Um, what about the, what about what about my bags? Oh, they'll be in your room. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like he's always he's going out to Coney Island because he's got to try and stop Boris the Animal from killing this fortune teller guy. Boris the Animal, it's just Boris. Um, like arrives there, and I love like this woman, this man. Like he's like, oh, I'm gonna if you touch your bike, I will kill you. And she's like, make love, man, not war. Why not do both? Uh, <laughs> And I love these like ah, ha, 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 ha. And he's laughing just like Oh he's so good, Jermaine Clement. Like, can I just say this? I mean Lara Sin Boyle, not great. Um you mentioned Vincent D'Onofrio, dun dun, possible Academy Award nomination. Jermaine Clement does a good job of this movie. Maybe oh, not yeah. quite Oscar winning, but like it's up there. Like, yeah. you know, underrated performance. Um Will Smith gets pulled over in front of a sign with a pug on it. Uh, so I don't know if that's meant to be another reference to Frank, the dearly beloved Frank. Uh, and we get two, obviously, you know, uh, I love guy, they're like, going like, oh, what's this set you back six grand? What's a guy like you wearing a suit? What are you, a professional athlete? Yeah. <laughs> I love Will Smith. Yeah, I play for the Detroit Darkies. <laughs> uh, and what does he say? Like, um, what, what does somebody of your uh, particular ethnic persuasion yeah. Uh, do. So obviously Will Smith plays up to this, gets them to flashy thing themselves. I love it when he's just like, oh, they find this thing. Like, what's this? Oh, probably something to do with drugs. That is absolutely nothing to do with drugs. And I definitely do not want you to press the button down the right hand <laughs> side of the button pointing at your face. Um, and I love, it's one of my favorite bits of the movies when he's just kind of like, uh, you're going to let me go, blah, 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 blah. And stop pulling over black people if they're driving a nice car because it's not stolen. Well, this one is stolen. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> moving <Yes>. on, <laughs> they're, they're not swole, stolen. Uh, what does he say? Like, I stole this one, but not because I'm black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I did steal this one, but not because I'm black. That is the one part I always remember. Like, uh, like we said at the beginning, I forget everything about this movie, but that one part I will always remember. That, but I did steal this one, not because I'm black. 
But this is like my point last week where I just felt that Will Smith for a large portion of that movie kind of just seemed bored. He phoned it in. Like he, there was a few funny bits there, but it just wasn't the Will Smith charisma. Whereas this one, it's back. Like, it, yeah. you know, like just moments like this, where it's just like, I didn't see this one. But not because I'm black. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like the whole, like the flashy thing bits when he's doing it with people. Like there's just something in this movie that the Will, Will Smith is back in black. In back time. in black. And back, oh God, don't. ACDC and Pitbull, when's that collaboration coming? Back in black in time. The, the collaboration you've all been waiting for. Thunder struck. Yo, baby, struck on the buck. Doing the duck, I'm out of luck. Fuck, yo, duck, snuck, snuck, bucker. Like basically all these people rapping. Take five words, rhyme them, and you've got a Pitbull song. Um, so we're at Coney Island. I never went to Coney Island. I was sad. I was meant to go, but never went out that way. Um... But uh, so the fortune teller guy's died, so Will Smith is too late. He's trying to shoot Boris, but, oh, look, there's George W. Bush, Josh Brolin, Thanos, there he is. Um, zaps Will Smith. And we, I kind of like the transition when we're back into Men in Black in the 60s where you got, like, all the women in the short dress. It's very Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love this alien guy like, Dad, I've been arrested. I need bail. I'm on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it when, like, Will Smith wakes up and what does he say to, like, uh, Josh Brolin, he's just basically like, you need to turn down the voltage on that. I can't even taste my tongue, uh, which is very, I can't feel my teeth. But yeah. um, it's <laughs> This one makes sense a, at least. It's in a better movie this time around. So uh, Josh Brolin's questioning Will Smith. And obviously Josh Brolin is younger, K. Uh, I know we're doing it by the actors' names, not the characters' names. He's questioning him. Will Smith is lying a lot. Uh, it's like, how did you know my name's Kay? Oh, I call everyone Kay. Hey, yo, Kay. <laughs> Kay, how you doing? Kay uh, Passa. <laughs> Kay Passa. It's like, now that I know you're lying, Face, now you're going to tell me the truth. And he's sort of making all these um, excuses like, oh, what are these? And it's like, oh, they're toys. I want at Coney Island. What does he say? Like, I want a, I want a stuffed toy once. I never want one of these. Yeah. Um, o comes in, younger O, hot O. Actually, is it wrong that I'd probably prefer Emma Thompson? Uh, <laughs> I definitely prefer Emma Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, she's okay, young O. But, um, this but actress, she, he, like... You don't uh, like her? No, like, okay, I've only, argue, I've only seen her in, like, two other things. But every time I see her in something, she's just incredibly disappointing. And, like, she was in um, one of the, uh, the Chris Pine, uh, Zachary Quinto Star Trek movies. And I mean, there was such a big deal made about her in that movie. And I don't know why everybody makes a big deal about this lady because she's an average actress. And then the other one was, uh, did you ever watch the Marvel shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones? No, I only watched the real ones. Oh, okay. (laughs) She was in the Iron Fist show, which is the one I would not recommend watching. But I mean, if you're in the Iron Fist show and you're the worst thing about it, then you're pretty bad. I um, did, uh, well, actually, the time recording this, I haven't watched. I think it's the finale this week of She-Hulk. I haven't watched that, but I did watch the, the two before that. Um, I gotta say, Colin, I disagree with you. I think those the, the two before the finale were probably the best episodes of She-Hulk. I like the Daredevil cameo; that was kind of fun, and the, uh, the bit where she goes yeah, out to the cabin in the woods. I thought that was a good episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Save for Patreon. Colin needs a moment. <laughs> uh, we we need to record those, by the way. Our one Patreon's waiting. Um, so <laughs> I, I what is he? She, he calls her O, and it's like, oh, that's what yeah. I call women. O yeah. and K, and that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we meet not Zed, who this guy's off things. He always plays like X. richer, older, bastard people. This guy, um, David Rash. He was on Monk. Gives you a rash. Of course, he was. <laughs> that, that's that. Tony Shalhoub wasn't available, so they went for the next best thing. <laughs> Let's the get the other guy, guy from Monk. In, <laughs> 
the the old guy from Monk. Um, so he comes in and he's all like, "Oh, cool, yep, get rid of him." So, uh, because Will's not telling the truth, he's about to get neuralized uh, in the Roger Moore Moonraker machine. <laughs> <laughs> this is where Will Smith has a flashback and looks at his watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chang in that movie looks disappointed and that's not racist. That's the name of the character. Or was it Chang? Chang, Chang, Cha, whatever the subtitle said. Um, so I, I do love the moment there when he's basically like, Will Smith is trying to stop himself from being flashy thing. And he's like, we've got to kill Boris. You've got to kill Boris. And I love it. It's like, you've got to tell me the truth. Will Smith's like, okay, I came from the future. I was your partner in the future. Uh, Boris has come back in time to kill you. The world has changed and the aliens are about to destroy the earth. And there's like this silence and uh, Josh Brolin's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love it when they're like leaving MIB and you've got uh, evil monk guy who's basically like, I thought I told you to get rid of the guy. What are you doing? He's like, uh, yeah, I probably gave him a little bit too much of a dose, so I'm just going to walk him out. It's like, I can feel my legs. <laughs> <laughs> Will Smith says, uh, they get in the car. And like, just some of the like really like random funny bits is like, I love it when they're in the car and Josh Brolin's like, okay, where to? And Will Smith is like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? You know what you're doing? It's like, no, I just knew everything I told you. Now it's up to you. Like, yeah. do you not have any clues on yeah. this? Yeah, go um, go wherever you went last time. It's like, well, I wasn't there last time. I haven't been there yet. So he finds a matchbook in his pocket from the fortune teller guy. And basically he's, and Will Smith's like, it's just a matchbook. And it's like, yeah, but such and such didn't smoke. So they're going to follow the thing. I like it when we've kind of got a replication of the scene from the future where they're like staring at each other. And like uh, Tommy Lee Jones or Josh Brolin is still listening to Woody's Roundup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, so the Will Smith is just kind of like, what happened to you, man? And is this where he says for the first time, like, I don't know, whatever happened hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, there's this bowling alley scene, which basically all brought it down to Will Smith bowling a strike and a spare with a guy's head. <laughs> and we find out that they've basically got to go see Andy Warhol. Um, and I love the, the phone, the giant phone thing. It's like, that's a phone? Like, don't put that, <laughs> that near your ear. That's kind of funny. Uh, and then we go to a swing. It's a swing 60s shagalicious party, baby. Yeah. Um, Austin Powers style. Uh, what is it? This is a bit where like Will Smith is like, oh, yeah, I forgot all models are aliens. I found out the hard way. <laughs> Which I, I kind of want to see that spin off. Um, so, and then we get, uh, we meet um, Andy, uh, Andy Kaufman. This is Andy yeah. Kaufman. <laughs> Here he is, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman is back. Andy Warhol, which actually, when I first saw this, I thought this was Evan Peters. He kind of got a bit of Evan Peters about him uh, as Andy Warhol, yes. Bill Hader here. I, 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 I thought I remembered this as being Bill Hader. And then when I was watching it yesterday, I'm like, doesn't look like Bill Hader. Who is that? I, I do love this moment though when like um, Josh Brolin goes out the back with him and he's like, what Agent W or whatever it is. Uh, and I love it like when like he's just he's like, oh man, like hurry, get me out of this. I, I hate this. I hate this. And then somebody yells out like, Andy, what are you doing? He's like, oh, yes, darling. I'm <laughs> just uh, filming a man <laughs> eating a hamburger. It's very stylish. And then, Chew on that beef, baby. <laughs> now work that pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bill Hader. Again, like I always just forget how much I love this guy. He's so funny with a big dong as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also love the, the back and forth between uh, Will Smith and Bill Hader just like bagging each other out. So essentially what um, the, the this is all explained. Let's see if I get this right. 
um, Boris has come back in time, back in time, <laughs> to find whatever this young guy is with the blue thing on his head. Let's call him the Oracle. Um, <laughs> because the Oracle can basically see all different versions of the future and he wants to kill him because he can then stop warning people about the future. So the future that exists is the Boris. Well, oh, no, I've gone cross-eyed. No, so the, the, that, or, right? the, Oracle, <laughs> the Oracle has the Arknet. He built the Arknet. Right. Oh, yes. See, Ben pays attention because it's a little <laughs> thing in the back of his head. Duh. Um, who is the young guy here that Will Smith is going to meet him? He's off things. Which young guy? The the um, fucking Oracle kid. Griffin? Griffin. Well, he's he was 44 years old when he made this movie, so I guess not as much a kid. Michael, Michael Stolberg. So I, I'm excited oh God, to talk about so him. He looks so much older in the, in the yeah. photo on Wicked. But geez, Jesus Christ, they do a good job with him. Where's the yeah. de-aging credit for Men in Black 3? Yeah, he... Um, um, He's one of these actors like uh, I, we talked about him when we reviewed Dunkirk way Doctor back. Strange. No, um, Mark, Mark Rylance, um, the guy ah. who broke through in Spielberg's Bridge of Spies movie. Like Michael Stolberg is another one of those actors that like late in life, just all of a sudden moved from what theater to movies and got this big break. He was in a Coen Brothers movie, Serious Man, that got nominated for Best Picture. And he's he's now one of these guys who just always pops up in movies and steals the show. Uh, I think he was like the competitor in Doctor Strange, like um, uh, the, the other surgeon. Yeah, like he's the other surgeon that that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is always getting competitive with. Right. I see here he was in a Law and Order dun, dun, movie, a uh, TV show, and he was in an episode of uh, uh, Damages. So he was. Uh, I remember that. Oh, and the Looming. Was, t- oh, actually, no. I see. I know where I know it from. The Looming Tower. The um the uh oh why have I gone blank on his name? It was a story they did about sort of um in the lead up to nine eleven how they were kind of warned and they sort of knew. Um, Jeff Daniels was the main guy. He played the FBI guy, and it was, it was really good. I I would thoroughly recommend it if you've not seen it. Peter Sarsgaard uh, as well. He's also in the, the third season of Fargo. The Ewan McGregor plays twins season of Fargo, playing like Ewan McGregor's right hand man. Amazing in that. This guy's amazing in everything. He is, yeah, good for him, and he does and he's a not very a kid. good young kid. That's incredible. Yeah. Like I did not realize that de aging, like because you can't even tell. It's not like Carrie Fisher and what's his face, in, yeah, <laughs> um, you know where you can tell. Uh, this is this is incredible. But I, I do kind of like when Will Smith is hanging out with him, and he's just like going on like. Oh, like this is a future where this happens, and I've got to move my plate, and I've got to yeah. do this, or maybe this is the one with the thing. And I just Will Smith, okay, okay. <laughs> And what is it? What, one of the ones he's like, unless this is the future where this happens and this happens. And then he, he pauses for a few seconds. He goes, oh, good. <laughs> All excited. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause I think he's like, unless this is the one where he comes 90 seconds early and basically the whole world is destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, phew. Um, so basically this all leads to the fact that Boris, why we keep saying Boris and not once have gone bodies, bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Robbie Coltrane. That's sad this week. Um, which was it? You or Noah? Is it like I thought he was already dead? Um, that was Noah, yeah. Bloody Noah, racist against the dead. And Jamie uh, shows me, did you hear about this? And I look and I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, Hagar from Harry Potter's. I, I, I don't know. It's not, I always call him Hagar, but Hagrid. Yeah, Hagrid from Harry Potter. And I'm like, you mean Zukovsky from GoldenEye and World's Not Enough? And she says, what did you just say? And I'm like, Zukovsky <laughs> from World's Not Up and GoldenEye? He was in the James Bond movies? She goes, this guy was Hagrid. I'm like, he was also Zukovsky. 
It's because I think I was in an Uber yesterday and they had the radio on and on the news it was like, you know, talking about it. And they were basically like, and in, in sad news, Harry Potter's Robbie Colton. I'm like, he was in oh, James Bond first. Yes. Come on. Twice. God damn it. Apparently, so I remember the TV show Cracker, but I saw um, Robbie Coltrane, not Robbie Coltrane, uh, Robert Carlyle, sorry, different mm. Robbie. Uh, he posted, obviously, they must have been in an episode of that together. So I was like, oh, they're in an, another movie together. We'd never got a Zukowski and um, Renard scene from memory. No, we didn't. So, yeah, good to see that he paid tribute to him. And I hope Minnie Driver was in it too. Uh, <laughs> Oi. Um, so <laughs> a fight ensues. Um, the kid runs away. Boris kills some people and jumps out a window. And then basically Josh Boland is like, you know, we'll solve this pie. Let's get some pie. Uh, and I love this kind of moment when he's just sitting there like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then Will Smith is just like, he'll just have that nasty piece of your classic apple pie with some cheddar and I'll have this. Which i got to say, I'm one for mixing cheese with lots of things. I'm weirdly enticed to try apple pie with cheddar it's on it. It's good. So is, um, is this a thing? Like, is this actually yeah. like a North American thing? I guess it was more a thing like during the 1670s uh, because my mom did that when I was a kid and we were like, that is the weirdest thing ever. Like, why are you putting cheese on pie? And she said she, when she was a teenager, she worked at a restaurant and some guy came in and ordered it. And she said to him, that sounds disgusting. And he said, you wouldn't be knocking it if you actually tried it. And so she tried it and then loved it. And so I, every once in a while I'll do that. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty good. I, I, I still would prefer the pie on its own, but it's surprisingly good. I'd put cheese on its own. Um, no, it's, yeah, it's when you make, like, it's the whole, like, dipping your McDonald's French fries in soft serve, like, things that, you know, shouldn't work, but they <laughs> do. Um, and we were talking about this the other day with my dad, sort of weird food combinations. But I remember when I was in Tennessee and I got taken to, like, some really great southern restaurant. It was amazing. And they had chess pie. Have you ever had chess pie before? No. It's like this southern pie, which is just basically a pie with like a sugar mixture in it. Like they kind of like blend the sugar to a point where it's just like mushy sugar, like as you'd have in a pie filling. So it's, it's completely anti-keto, terrible for you. It's why I used to be so fat, but God, it's good. Chess pie. It's not little <laughs> chess pieces uh, in it. But anyway, um, so in this diner, they're talking, they overhear these two guys coming in, bagging out the Mets which at the time of recording this, the Mets choked again. They're out of the playoffs. So uh, standard that they've only won the two World Series and people never shut up about it. But uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm bagging out the Mets. I'm a White Sox fan. What can I say? But um, basically they put two and two together. They're talking about a game. So they're going to drive out to the Mets stadium, which I believe at this time was Shea Stadium. It's now obviously City Field. You knew that, didn't you, Colin? You you were big on the uh, the baseball knowledge. I was just trying to pinpoint which sport the Mets were in until you just said baseball. So, yeah, I'm baseball. familiar with it. We of course. talked about him a couple of weeks ago with the whole uh, – we're basically in the same area of New York that we were in the finale for the first one here because we're obviously going to see the the big globe mm -hmm. and everything from the World's Fair in just a moment during this chase. So um, we kind of – what do you, even is the purpose of this scene? That Basically, he's talking about that this is like the greatest moment – of his life was watching the Mets. And I, I okay, I kind of like the explanation of miracles, like how he's got like, oh, and if that yeah. player, uh, his parents hadn't have had an extra glass yeah. of wine, then that would have been like Penelope. And like, uh, oh, if this kid, um, he only got given a baseball because he couldn't get like hockey skates or something or a mm -hmm. football for like, it's kind of cool. Like I like that. I like that kind of implication that, you know, one thing can change the course of history. Uh, and then basically this is where he gives him the arc net, isn't it? Um, so he pulls mm -hmm. off his beanie, 
Uh, we've got a weird again third Men in Black movie in a row where it's basically like something tiny's got to save the world. So there mm-hmm. it is. Um, we get a cool chase sequence on these like I don't even know what these things are. Um, with Boris, although Boris kidnaps the Oracle. Um, a uh, bit of action yeah. here and there. Uh, <laughs> what's so funny? Um, the I love you calling the Oracle. <laughs> Oracle, uh, don't and watch out for the vase. What vase? <laughs> um, Maybe you knew I was going to do that. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminds me still of the MTV movie words. I'm the Oracle, damn it. <laughs> Wanda Sykes. Um, but yes, okay, so this is where we find out that uh, you've got to get the Arknet on top of the rocket because this is, of course, in July 1969. Um, <laughs> 1969. Yeah. Um, so they have to be in Florida in six hours. Uh, meanwhile, this is where we see the second Boris go back to old Boris and he's going to help him kill Kay down in Cape Canaveral. Let's make a move, baby. Um, and in order for them to get to Florida, they can't drive because Manhattan to Florida is not doable. So they're going to go get a jetpack. Uh, we get a nice little dramatic right. scene here, though, where basically Will Smith is like, I'm coming with you. Or like, no, I'm going to do it. You're going to stay here. He tells Josh Bolin that he's going to die. He punches him. You should have told me. Uh, and then they get in a jetpack and they fly off to see the moon landing. Uh, I probably missed a lot of things there, but I'm trying to paraphrase a lot here because Colin's got children. I do. You can probably hear them. Um, it, it, one of the uh, One of the little lines that doesn't, really get a lot of attention and definitely doesn't get overplayed in trailers in this movie. That's so funny is uh, Will Smith shows up at what he thinks is Kay's apartment, which by the way, it's if the apartment is five K. I like that. His name is on the door there. Yeah. <coughs> oh, sorry. You just, you like it so much. You just choke on it. I'm choking on it. Uh, uh. All right. So, uh, but the, the little girl, the mommy with the little girl, the little girl goes, mommy, why is the president drinking my chocolate milk? <laughs> Because yeah. <laughs> this is like Obama's uh, era here, I think. Um, also, we, we get a, a, the answer to a question that we asked last week about, okay, so they only have 26 agents. Like, what if Agent K retires? Do they simply have to bring in, a, oh, we, we got to recruit only people named Kevin or Carl or something like that? Uh, and I wondered, okay, so can they not have two Ks, two Js? Will Arnett's character's name is Double A, which answers the question, if you have yeah. two people with the same initial, you... <laughs> yeah, they, they yeah, choke you and cough and die. <laughs> I just, I'm just laughing at Colin dying. I'm oh, such a horrible you, person. You, you get COVID. That's the answer to the question. I'm getting dizzy here too. I don't know if this is so good. Um, let's continue. That was a twist when you collapsed. Like, don't, don't we paused our recording and I, I, I passed out. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I like Will Smith trying to explain to the Men in Black headquarters. Uh, about who Kay is. He goes, 110, maybe 111 years old. Surly <laughs> Elvis thing going on. He smiles like this, and he just has like the most angry expression he couldn't have on his face. Uh, and then you, you kind of mentioned with Emma Thompson giving that long speech about, you know, a whatever tick that will do this, and then you'll instantly die, or it's worse. He goes, there's something worse than the tick? <laughs> <laughs> will Smith is really on his game in this movie. You're right. Uh, and, and yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it, like the, the guy who runs the electronics going out of business store, like there's no reason this couldn't have been Tony Shalhoub, but there's really no reason this couldn't have been David Cross as well. So, I mean, Barry Sonnenfeld held a grudge apparently after men could've in black Tom Cruise. This could have been Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, it could have been, Hi, I'm Tom Cruise and I'm in men in black. <laughs> this is what David Schrimmer was now gunning for this role. He's like, I missed out on the role of Jay. 
please let me play pawn shop guy in part three. And they said, no, 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 no. He's been uh, begging for that role for a long time, David. Every time he's like, he goes to his agent, all right, David, we've got some roles for you. Any of them pawn shop guy? No, David. Damn it. No, not interested. Like this is 2012. He's he's not nearly qualified enough to play pawn shop guy in 2012. Um, he's literally working in he, a pawn shop now in 2022. So. I, I feel like if this is making fun of one, but has David Schwimmer, is he the only one in that show Friends who has never done anything since Friends ended? No, he 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 mainly switched to directing. He kind of deliberately took a – he didn't uh, want to do acting, so he did a lot of um, – remember that movie Run, Fat Boy Run? He directed that. Oh, um, Yeah. He 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 like and directed a lot of TV. Um, but yeah, he was in that one we talked about recently, which again I can never remember. I think it was just called Intelligence, but it was like it was a co-British American show, kind of like what Matt LeBlanc did. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was good. It was funny, and I enjoyed it. He was really good in it because it had like it was funny, but it also had some dramatic stuff in it. So I hope they're making another season of that because it was quite good. But no, he mainly yeah he mainly became a director. I, I hope he cameoed as pawn shop guy in Intelligence. Uh, we're gonna have to watch it now <laughs> just to confirm. Um, Yeah, the the whole jump thing, like it's an incredible sequence. I think that's one of the things this movie has over the last one. The I'll kind of cover one of my theories about why the Men in Black sequels don't get love like the first one does now, Uh, because you really have sequels that work. You have sequels that don't work. And then you have sequels that were never going to work, you know, Uh, and the sequels that are never going to work would be something like Jurassic Park or Jaws. You know, it's a one movie deal. There's only so much you could do with that concept. So the sequels, you expect that they're going to suck because that's there's nothing you could do with it. I think this kind of falls into the category where it's like there's sequels that should work, but for some reason they don't. I think one of the reasons is because Men in Black one comes out and it, it, the two movies I'm about to mention, I think are on either side of this came out the same year. You have the fifth element, you have starship troopers. You have two other movies that are kind of combining sci-fi and comedy and doing huge budget, huge visual effects. And then immediately following that, you got star Wars back and the matrix. So anything that would have been impressive on screen and like, wow, that's, I've never seen anything like that has been taught by the end of 97. Pause for dramatic yes. effect or cough. You'll never know. Um, so, <laughs> Colin's just like, I'm going to become experimental in my podcast now. Pause for dramatic effect. But uh, by the end of 97, like everything that made Men in Black so like, wow, look at what I'm watching has lost its impact. So I think that's one of the reasons why part two doesn't quite feel as exciting. You know, the effects don't help, but also it's just, you've seen all this. I mean, we're five years later and this has been done a million times now. Men in Black 3 I think the thing that works about as far as visually is that they do something completely different because you're playing on the whole 60s thing. Like when we get to the 1969 men in black, all the aliens look like aliens you would see in bad sci-fi movies from the fifties or sixties, which was one of the cool things they do in this, but they have this one sequence where he jumps off the Chrysler building, which really is visually fantastic. I mean, you, you get the whole height of it. We, we covered entrapment for another podcast recently. And I was complaining that you're on the tallest building in the world at that point. And you don't feel like this is high up. You don't feel like there's any type of terror. You get that with, with like you, you. It's obviously not quite to the extent that you know you're you're probably passing out and, and peeing yourself or throwing up or something. But uh, you still get like this is high up. And I, I'm not really afraid of heights. But I'm looking at this. I'm like, I don't know if I'd do that. <laughs> um, and he didn't do it for Tom Cruise. Would have done this for hi. I'm Tom Cruise, and I will be Will Stunt Double today because I do this for real. I'm Tom Cruise. Um, they look very similar. 
<laughs> just like looking in the mirror. But like the sequence is incredible because you get this long drop that he has. And there's a bit of a problem with this later uh, because when he time jumps later, maybe, maybe not. I was about to say when he time jumps later, he's doing it from a much lower height, like basically the height of the rocket, but he still is able to do it. But I guess he's not going as far back in time then. So that's probably the reason he's going seconds back as opposed to decades back. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the sequence looks fantastic and they throw the jokes in there with like the stockbrokers and uh, stopping two feet from the ground. I also love when he says, uh, okay, you need to do whatever when you're about two feet from the ground. Okay, so break the green line when you're two feet. No, don't break the green line. Wait, wait, I thought you said break the green line. Okay, you're ready to go. And the guy just can't hear from that point. I was like, no, tell me what I'm supposed to do with this. It, it's, it's so funny. Like this guy, he's not David Cross. He's not Tony Shalhoub, but he's still pretty good in this movie. Um, yeah, the the elevator stuff. It's so funny that that guy just like, oh, don't get too close to me, Mr. Blackman. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> um, Colin pauses to reflect his racist statement. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, like Will losing on a new, a new thing that I'm the crazy one here. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, I love that guy. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The the Coney Island's the sign for Frank, the incredible dog pet pug or something like that. And that has to be a nod to it. Um, also, the Coney Island sequence here. So the, the girl, the hippie girl there, uh, that's Barry Sonnenfeld's daughter, which I'm assuming is the same daughter who is in the Martha Stewart apartment in the last movie. There's, again, throwing their kids out here. Uh, by the trivia bit uh, for the end of the movie, we'll talk about how Will petitioned to get one of his kids in and Barry Sonnenfeld said no. Um, now, it, it was racist. He decided he was casting a different black kid instead of Jaden <laughs> because he was racist. Jaden's not black enough. That's the problem. Well, it was around about this time that Jaden destroyed pop culture, wasn't it, with his shit, and then Willow would flip your hair back and say, like, they knew. Barry knew. He was like, no, don't flip your hair back and forth. If they just listened to Barry Sonnenfeld, they'd both be in better places today. Um, The uh, the 1969 stuff is so much fun because I think – I think you kind of mentioned earlier, this is like the last ditch effort for a failing franchise. We're going to do time travel. Uh, I, I remember Scream 4, they even made a joke about that because the Scream movies are always kind of like a bit of a satire on horror movies anyways. And they talk about like, oh, and then there was the whatever part this where they did time travel. And of course, that's that's when you, you've you know definitely jumped the shark. Uh, I don't feel that way with this movie. I feel like the time travel just makes sense. So... Mm. And maybe if, you know, they hadn't had the 10 years, if this had been just simply because Tommy Lee Jones said, nah, I only want to do a cameo, then like, okay, quickly, let's write a time travel thing. But the fact that this was pitched when they're making Men in Black 2, they had enough time to think about let's how we make the time travel work. And they, you add to that, the whole thing with Griffin's character is great. I don't know if you also caught it, the, the scene where uh, Tommy Lee Jones apprehends him here. I read this in the trivia, but I don't remember it sticking out in the movie. The line he says is the first line that Josh Bone says in this movie is we'll take it from here, which is Tommy Lee Jones' first line in the first Men in Black. Did you catch that? I did not, but that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, also, I, apparently, I like that. Josh Brolin's watch that he wears in this 1969 sequence is the same watch that he gets from the locker in Men in Black 2 with all those tiny little aliens that worship his watch as like the keeper of time. Uh, I like continuity. Good job, Barry. Well done. And that's what's cool about this movie. Like you get all these little things in here. And also the scene where Will's apprehended uh, and taken back to the Men in Black headquarters if you look closely, I, did you see that you can see Griffin, as you say, the little kid there, you see him walking in the background. It's not even like a close up, but you see him as one of the many people just crossing the terminal. I did not. Wow. Look at you with the trivia. I'm glad somebody's done their work Will. this week. 
Yeah, I, I pause for dramatic effect. There you go. Uh, that's what I do when I do trivia. Did you know? Pause for dramatic effect. Um, let's also throw in here when he's oh, trying I see to say now. There he is. I'm just looking at that scene. I see him. Okay, clever. <laughs> clever. I picked the worst time to get sick. Um, also, we got to mention along with the whole K, what up, K? And oh, okay. Uh, when he says, My girl's waiting for me back at the carnival. What's her name? Sharon. Your girlfriend's <laughs> name is Sharon. Yes, she's like Bulgarian. <laughs> I can't remember she what he says. She's the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls, Nicole Sharon. Yeah, exactly. Slur singer Sharon. Um, <laughs> and th- yeah, the, the neuralizing scene too, like the, the giant thing. It's a bit of, a, I'm not going to say plot hole, but like inconsistency that he later has the neuralizer just hooks up to his belt. Yeah. So why is there this massive Moonraker neuralizer? I don't know. Um, and, and yeah, the, the that was the one part that was in the trailer that I still think is funny because maybe the trailers just weren't played to death like they were with Men in Black 2. But th- that moment where he's, he says, I'm from a, the, the same Men in Black of the future and uh, you're my partner and and uh, an alien that you're about to capture ends up escaping from prison 25 years from now and then he's going to come back in time and you're not going to shoot his arm off. And then Will Smith does this thing where he <gasps> he like gasps for breath afterwards. And then that's when t- uh, Josh, I was about to call Tommy Jones, Josh Brolin goes, all right. All right. Tommy Lee Brolin. Tommy Lee Brolin here. He's like, all right. Um, yeah, the uh, the bowling alley sequence, I mean, to me, that's just, that feels like we're we're stretching here. Like, we need another sequence. We can't immediately jump to Andy Warhol because what what's, what do they do there? I mean, they get there and there's another guy who's dead. This is just sort of like we're following the trail. But I, I do like the part where Wills uh, says he's what the men in black uh, bowling champion three years running. And then later on, he says that this I call the low hanging fruit throw. <laughs> he tosses the guy like yeah. right through his crotch. Um what is the, that like? Uh, That's those those are finger holes, you sick bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but then when you get to the factory, I mean, this is one of the best sequences of the movie, the factory. Uh, the all models are aliens. Now we know that like Serlina wasn't modeling herself after a model, she was modeling herself after another alien because she yeah. took the model's form in there. So, yes, there we go. And yeah, that line, like, yeah, how did you find that out the hard way? Um, the, uh, the, the Griffin character in this sequence here, like it's so smart. And I think that's the thing that I love about this movie is the movie doesn't dumb anything down. The first movie was kind of smart because they didn't feel the need to explain the plot. They just threw these kind of ideas out there. Like, you know, a a galaxy doesn't have to just be this, a galaxy could be anything. And, and then the second movie gets too convoluted with their plot, but it's not really saying or telling a story that's smart. And Griffin's like way over your head here, but yet if you actually stop to think about it, it all makes sense. It's like the movie Tenet. When we when we read Tenet, we <laughs> both said like, I actually do understand what they're saying, but like my brain's yeah. trying to process how to understand it at the same time. Uh, but it's it's interesting that they not only did time travel in this movie, they also did the whole thing about multiverses. This is long before Marvel or DC or anybody or Michelle Yeoh is doing multiverses. That's kind of the idea here about all the possible futures. And yeah, Griffin's just such a fun character. And I was trying to think, like, you have characters the whole place. You always have the villain, right? You usually have the love interest. I'm like, is Griffin the love interest of this movie? He basically has the Rosario Dawson or L role from the first movie. He's the innocent that they're trying to protect who's supposed to save the world or, or helps them save the world or whatever. But it's just, it's a different character and it's, it's them breaking the mold. Like you said, they're not trying to just duplicate everything from the first movie or the second movie, or let's just have all the same gags again. They're doing things that are slightly different. Um, 
the Andy Warhol scene is hilarious, like with the, the hamburger thing. But when he's begging for you got to get me out of here, you know, it's like uh, fake my death or something. Um, <laughs> I, I, what is the one line he has uh, where I can't listen to sitar music anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so oh. good. Speaking um, of Barry, isn't is Bill Hader the Barry guy, right? That TV show, Barry. That's I think so, yeah. It? I've never seen the yeah. show. I mean, I, I think I've heard it's really good. I've heard it's really good. Well, didn't it like break the record for most Emmy wins this year or something like that? Possibly. Uh, it was either yeah. nominations or wins, but I'm like, I really got to check the show out if it's won that many Emmys. Um, but another bit of trivia here. So two things of trivia. I, I always want to start a new segment on dumbest bits of trivia you find on IMDb. Uh, one that I want to say is not the dumbest bit of trivia, but maybe inaccurate. There are several bits of trivia that says when they have the chase scene coming out of here, when Will Smith jumps down and then he stands on that one car, they're saying that it's Reggie, the same guy with the octopus wife who gave birth in the first movie that's in the car there. Now, I can't find that this guy has a screen credit, Men in Black 3, but yet I freeze framed. I'm like, that does kind of look like Reggie. So I wouldn't put it past him. They're like, let's get this guy back from the first Men in Black and just show that he was on Earth the whole time. If that's real, I like that. Um, the dumb bit of trivia here. Um, dramatic effect. Um, wow, you're really, you're really making a, a dramatic episode, Colin. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look up exactly what it was, but basically what the trivia was was, was saying when Agent whatever the Bill Hader at Fake Andy Warhol says "Fake my death" or whatever, just get me out of here. The trivia actually says either he didn't fake his death until 1987, or the actual agent died of natural causes in 87 when Andy <laughs> Warhol died. Like, who writes that as trivia? We're analyzing, oh, I guess he was actually Andy Warhol until 1987. What a pointless wow. bit of trivia. I think we need to just start adding some to like, you know, like Will Let's Smith do it. in Men in Black 3 is playing the same character as he played in both Men in Black 1 and Men in Black 2. Yeah, exactly. Fact, <laughs> he did not play a different, the same character in Men in Black International. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, the other line that uh, that Bill Hader has here, too, is like, I can't tell the women from the men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was the 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah, the bike chasing, the, if that's what you want to call the bike, the circular bike things they have here, that also stuck out to me. First, because it's a great action sequence, but I was trying to think of, like, there's not a lot of action sequences in Men in Black. The action you get is that you get the first foot chase in, in Men in Black 1 when he's chasing down the the blinking fish guy um you get action at the end of the movie other than that i mean do you count the shootout in the street where will just accidentally blows up a car that's not an action sequence so action sequence is kind of unusual and that when i noticed that watching this movie it made me realize one of the things i didn't like with men in black international is that they cram it full of action sequences but people kind of misunderstand and men in black isn't an action movie it has a little bit mm. of action in it, but it's just sort of sci-fi comedy. And this sequence doesn't stick out, but I think it doesn't stick out because it really is the only action sequence in the movie other than the fight at the end. Um, also, that you were going to say something? I was just I was going to mention with Patrick Breen, he's Reggie. Uh, I can't see on his IMDb, it doesn't say, and I can't see anything else saying it. Is, and it looks like him. I'm with you. It does look like it does, him. Yeah. But um, nothing here that I can see confirms that fact. Yeah, I, I like the whole Met scene too, um, because you know he's saying this is, the, it's not saying this is the greatest miracle, like, but just the idea. You, are you, oh, uh, sorry, I just, I you've not seen Big Mouth, have you? No, um, that's so about sex. When they, Why would I watch something about sex? I know, but when when um the Reggie or not Reggie, uh, the Oracle is shouting, "Let's go Mets, let's go Mets." So um, 
there's an episode with a character who has sex for the first time and his way of like celebrating the fact that he has just orgasmed is going, let's go Mets. Um, so that was kind of a joke when I was in New York when I was doing certain activities um, that I would say, let's yeah. go Mets. Um, so it just reminds you, sorry, information people didn't need to know. Moving on. I'm trying to remember to the uh, the Jim Caviezel, Dennis Quaid movie Frequency, if that was because that one also revolved around. I think it was also the Mets in that movie because I'm pretty sure it was like 1969. <laughs> Fucking like just Mets fans. Like, come on. Like I was, what, that's what I was going to say. They, oh, well, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, both their World Series are very famous. Like, they're, you know, the 69 Mets or whatever it was, was like a, a complete, you know, miracle. It is true. And then I think it was 86 was a similar thing. Um, so, yeah, like they're, they're storied World Series wins. I get it. But, I mean, I, I'm no – I'm a White Sox fan, you know, so I'm a Chicago fan. But, like, I'm my dad goes for the New York teams. He's more of a Yankees man, so I'm more Team Yankees. And shut up, Mets. Yankees are better. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the only other thing I was going to add was just why is it always the Mets? Like, this is the miracle of all sports things. Like, multiple movies have been about the Mets in that season in particular. I mean, I, I'm sure it's a big deal, but I'm going to be honest. My knowledge of baseball comes down to only one thing. The season where the Cleveland Indians won the divisional championship when Charlie Sheen was pitching Guardians and Tom Barron. Huh? There's a Guardians now, Colin. Racist. Okay. Well, I was saying when <laughs> when Charlie Sheen was pitching and Tom Berenger was the catcher and Dennis Haysbert was hitting the home runs, that's that's my favorite moment in uh, Major League Baseball. M- mine is when um, Danny Glover was an angel in Angels in the Outfield <laughs> and uh, Christopher, Christopher Lloyd was in that too. Remember oh, Angels in the Outfield? Yeah. The Mighty was, Ducks of Baseball movie? That was a good the movie. One, the one where the, the 12-year-old kid broke his arm and got to pitch for the Cubs or something like that. Yeah, or Ed, uh, Ed. With the monkey like with <laughs> Matt LeBlanc. See, I know a <laughs> lot about the Major League movie. Baseball. I know all the Major League Baseball movies. I think, like, you know, yeah, I think just at the end of the day, the Met, it's kind of like, you know, Miracle on Ice. It's just a storied history. It's like uh, with the Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore, Perfect Catch, Fever Pitch, whatever it's yeah. called, in whatever part of the world you're listening to. It's, you know, it's it's revolves around the famous 2004 World Series that the Red Sox broke the drought. So, um, yeah, it's just a storied uh, thing, and like the, the Mets have won two very famous World Series. The famous 2003 Toronto Maple Leaf Stanley Cup win. I don't know what you're talking about, Colin. Smoking oh, that hasn't happened there. yet. This might be the future where that hasn't happened yet. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, we're in a future where that has not happened. <laughs> Where's we're Griffin? I need Griffin. I need Griffin to tell me what needs to line up for the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, okay? Griffin, tell me. Do I need to put cheese on my pie? What do I need to do? Do I have to pronounce it Schlerzinger? What do I have to you're do just- to get the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup? You'll literally be like, is this going to happen in any version of my <laughs> life before I die or do I just take the pill right now and just go to sleep? Exactly. Dramatic effect added. Am I, I, am I not here? Concur. <laughs> was, that, was that the end of the statement or like were you saying anything more or like I don't know if you were talking I was, about that section. Last thing I remember you said something and I responded to you and said exactly. <laughs> you did, but I thought like you were going to continue to talk about this. Well, we've been doing this for over a thousand episodes. Do you think we know how this format works? But you see, uh, we can't see each other. It's the visual aspect. I know. I miss your ugly face. You're still trying um, to give me a Jedi mind trick. Before I wrap it up, uh, just David Schwimmer. Um, so he did do a few other things that I forgot about. Obviously, the OJ Simpson. Uh, oh, yeah. That's good in that. Of course, Madagascar. He's the zebra in Madagascar, mm-hmm. is he not? Um, which I hate the Madagascar movies. Overrated. Um, he was in the reboot of Will, Will and Grace for a few episodes. Eh. But 
I've looked here. There's an anthology series coming out on Apple TV that he's involved in. Now, I want to read you some of the cast here because this is a stacked cast. Get excited for it because when I read the synopsis of it, you'll roll your eyes. Okay. This cast features Meryl Streep, Toby Maguire, Sienna Miller, Edward Norton. Uh, who else have we got here? Forrest Whitaker, Marion Coulthard, however you say her name. Oh. Heather Graham, Diane Lane. Heather Graham, Cherry Jones. Cherry, apparently. Cherry Jones playing a president, not typecasting at all. Uh, Kerry Russell <gasps> is in this. Uh, Judd Hirsch, singer Ben Harper Judd is apparently Hirsch. acting now. Uh, so stacked cast. Do you not want to watch this already? But the premise, according to Wikipedia, an anthology series that depicts the effects of climate change on the planet through various different oh. points of view through interconnected stories. So, wow, you know we're what? just going to be like, having a bunch of aging actors going, save the planet. Unless John Cusack <laughs> is flying a plane off a collapsing runway or Woody Harrelson has Yosemite Park exploding around him, I don't want to watch it. I'm just so like pumped the fact that you've got Cherry Jones as best being like it'd be like if Dennis Haysbert played a president in something else. Like it's <laughs> like you were good in that show as president, so you'll be president in this. So that's, Bill Pullman should just be president in everything, right? Like that should just be a thing. The presidential multiverse of madness. There you go. <laughs> Have all the great TV and movie presidents come together and like save the world. That's all we need, right? Uh, so yeah, David Schwimmer. That's uh, David Schwimmer Oz coming soon. <laughs> And apparently they did a second season of Intelligence and I didn't even realise. So I need to find that. Um, and Colin Salmon is in Intelligence. I forgot about that. So there you go. Uh, and Joey anyway, Slotnick. Right. The Oz Network is Joey Slotnick. He's in it? Is he seriously? He's in it, yeah. Oh, he is too. There he is. Maybe he was in the second <laughs> season because I don't remember him in the first season. Uh, God. Watch it. It's funny. I like it. Um, so the end of the movie, right. Okay. So we're in Florida. We're on jetpacks. Um, I like what Will Smith say, like, there's a reason why we don't use these in the future. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I, I like visually, again, like I like the kind of setup here they've got for like the moon takeoff. Um I love kind of like this moment here when they land and they've got like the cop people who are like, what are you doing here? And the Oracle's like, you've always got to tell the truth. And it's like, okay, mm. uh, we are government agents from a secret organization trying to stop extraterrestrials. I'm from the future. Uh, we need to put this on top of your rocket. Uh, and basically they get arrested. We meet this Colonel Sergeant man who comes in here um, and he's like, what are you doing with these people? Why are you there? Uh, we found these on them um, and then the Oracle touches him with consent uh, and well, it's the sixties, definitely not consent. Um, and he makes him see the future. And again, when you know the twist, it definitely adds a different layer to this. Um, so uh, the Colonel guy lets everyone go. He lets Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, not Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, uh, go <laughs> to the Brolin. top of this <laughs> Tommy Lee Brolin, Josh Lee Jones, uh, so they're basically going to go to the top of the launch pad for Apollo 11 and we're going to have both of them fighting uh, Jermaine from Flight of the Concords, which does this remind you a little bit of Casino Royale, like the high wire, like yeah. the, um, the crane sort of se- sequence going on here. Um, so obviously uh, one Boris is trying to kill Josh Brolin, the other is trying to kill Will Smith and Will Smith basically works out, hey, I've got a time machine, I can fix this up. So he kind of 
studies what's going on with the other one so he can basically kill the other one and save it. So great action sequence. Like, it's cool. And you're right. Like, there's sort of not a whole lot of action in this movie, but what we get is kind of decent. And again, the special effects, there's definitely parts that look a bit cheesy, but again, that's the point, I think, of mm-hmm. this. Um, so both the Borises die. They put the little Duvalaki thing on top of the rocket. I do love that when we cut into the Apollo 11, how they're like, what's going on out there? If we report this, I'll scrub the launch. Okay, yeah. I didn't see anything. Yeah, right <laughs> after you see Tommy Lee Jones jump on the whole rocket. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see true. anything. Like, I, I, I like that. It's kind of cool. Um, so for some reason, there's like a weird little trolley thing connected to the top of Apollo That's real. 11. So they're able to escape. Is it real? Is that Was that yeah. a real thing? Yeah, that was something they actually had there. I guess is an emergency escape in case they needed to. Oh, that's cool. Didn't know that. Wow, there you go. The things you learn from 1969. We need the sound effects in this one. Dun, 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 we do. The things you learn. Co- Colin can provide them. Um, the the flags wah, that you wah, see. Wah. <laughs> 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 it's a, a winner. One, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's pretty gay. Um, and that's a Ben fact. Dun, 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 dun. Um, but I, I like the, the shot of all the flags over the viewing platform because at once I'm like, why the hell is like the flag of like the Djibouti there in Canada and not Australia? But Australia's <laughs> flags there if you look hard enough. Um, I was like, what did the Djibouti do for the space race that Australia <laughs> didn't do? We had the dish. Sam Neill was there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the rocket goes off. Yeah, we go into the moon. The shield goes around the planet. The planet core. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's a volcanic plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more Star Wars is needed in life. Um, so, except for the sequels. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I just, one thing I want them to do with this movie, though, when the rocket's in space, what is that? It looks like a giant wiener. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> that looks like a Woody. Woody Harrelson. Can I have your autograph? Wow, that's huge. Oh, I've seen bigger. <laughs> Because Woody Harrelson has a massive dong. Um, <laughs> we know he does. So anyway, oh, happy ending. Josh Rollins with this Colonel guy, Colonel Sanders. Um, Boris is there turning into his weird alien thing. But this time Josh Brolin kills him rather than just shooting his arm off. So yay, happy ending. But then, I mean, God, if we were doing Hall of Fame of all the Men in Black movies, is this not the best moment of all the Men in Black movies? Yeah, hands um, down. So this guy, the Colonel guy who's dead, it's kind of like, oh, sad. Random guy, we don't know who he is, dies. But then out of nowhere, we hear a little boy come out of the truck that's nearby and we hear that his name is Jay and Josh Brolin's all like, oh, it's all right, champ. And he's like, oh, what happened to my dad? Where's my dad? And he's like, oh, okay, um, yeah, about your dad. So he flashy things, little boy here, <laughs> little Jay Jr. Now, and ben, like, uh, you, you've gotten what? restraining orders for that. Little Jay Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> No, Colin, he's too old for me. Um, uh, and basically says, all you need to know is your dad's a hero and here's his watch. And I should have mentioned earlier, like there was a line in the car when they were talking about like family and Will Smith sort of mentions that like, oh, I knew nothing about my dad. He abandoned us. You know, I have no memory of him or something like that. And this just all ties it in. So this is why Tommy Lee Jones is an old grumpy guy because basically he had to like protect little Jay. Uh, Jay obviously has no memory of his dad because he was flashy thinged and just... Like, again, on paper, if you had said in Men in Black 3, they go back in time to where Tommy Lee Jones' character discovers little baby Jay and has basically been protecting him his entire life, you would have been like, oh, that's jump the shark. That's bullshit. Mm. 
but this works. And again, in a movie where you've literally got a device where you can wipe a memory of a person, you can retcon it. You can create it so there's no plot holes in the first two movies. It's brilliant. Um, and it's so emotional. It's sad. Like, I've seen this movie three times, and every time I watch this, I get a little bit choked up. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so, and Josh Brolin's amazing. This little kid is amazing. I'm not in that way. Shut up, Colin. I'm not that much of a pedo. <laughs> like, this this little kid actor is great, and Will Smith just staring is great. And like, oh, this scene is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and it makes so much sense with everything. Uh, and then, basically, we get the movie wrapped up. We go back into the, the future, back to the future, uh, we hear Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z and Alicia Keys, which can I just say, when I was in New York, I did hear that song a lot. But it's weirdly, you don't get sick of it. You'd think it'd be cheesy being in New York <laughs> hearing that song. You don't. It's kind of cool. Um, they're eating pie, and it's kind of a nice little moment here where Will Smith is just basically like, look, you know, I know why you're the way you are, and I know you can't tell me certain things, but just, just know that I know. Uh, and then they go out, and then... Old Oracle here is basically like, oh, this might be my new favorite moment in human history, unless this is the one where Kate <laughs> forgets to leave a tip and you see like a meteorite about to hit the earth and then he comes back, leaves a tip, it gets destroyed. Although somebody's not without HBO now because it destroyed a satellite. Uh, and then Men in Black 3, boom, let's make a movie, baby. Oh, it's a scooter's baby. Uh, I, yeah, I, can I just talk about, again, how much I fucking love the the scene with little Jay and... It just works and like, holy crap, drama in this movie you didn't know you needed. It's really, yeah. really good. Yeah, it's handled so well. Um, one thing uh, I just want to mention, with the, the, the bringing back the whole pie thing from Men in Black 2 as well, uh, that, that being the last scene that we get, I mean, if, that makes it appropriate. If that's the last scene in the franchise because the next movie next week didn't happen, then that's the perfect way to end it is like the, the two guys eating pie. It's just this weird thing. You don't never get explained why. Although this movie does kind of explain the whole thing with pie. Like, what is it? James Brolin, uh, James Brolin, uh, James, almost James Bond. James Brolin was also almost Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Josh Brolin, when he was saying, you let the pie speak to you or whatever, uh, you realize this is just how it's like, yeah, you slow your mind down and then focus, just have some pie. Um, yeah, the the, uh, the when they land in the jetpacks and Griffin says, "I'm so glad this isn't one of the times we exploded." That that uh, is another good line there, uh, and the, this whole climax is just fantastic. I mean, I think you're the same as me. We both love like NASA and space history and the Apollo program and yeah. everything. I anytime a movie does, and so many movies have done this. Let's find a way to rework, you know, this moment in history everybody's familiar with. Uh, one of the Transformers movies kind of did this with the um, uh, Apollo Whoa. 11 landing. Um, there's a movie, I own it, called Fly Me to the Moon. I literally bought an Fly animated movie. To the moon. <laughs> it's a movie about flies that stole aboard the Apollo 11 spacecraft. I bought that movie having never seen it just because I wanted to see an animated movie where flies were on Apollo 11. Uh, but this one does it oh, so wait, well. flies on it. Fly. Oh, yeah, I get it. Literally okay. fly me to the moon. Uh, and, I didn't, I, I like and I that. bought that before I had kids. So um, that's how much I love like NASA stuff. It, yeah, it's great to see this here. And uh, I have a couple of questions about like the timelines. Is this something that this is the way it always happened? I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the fight stuff is fantastic too with the action. Um, this also, it's so weird that like, as far as the climax goes, this probably also tops the original. It's hard to top men in black one, but this, maybe tops men in black one for the action sequence with the fight scenes on the scaffolds. And you have one Boris fighting 
K and one Boris fighting J. Also, we, we uh, didn't really talk about the, the Boris meets Boris scene is basically the Biff meets Biff scene from Back to the Future 2, where you see he has this resentment for himself. He's like, oh, you idiot. You know, it's the same way that old Biff was in Back to the Future 2. Probably not intentional, but just uh, kind of funny that both those movies played the whole older version is going to hate the younger version of himself. Yes. Very dramatic effects. Um, <laughs> that was like the weirdest one. Like, is that one of these ones that Colin wants my reaction? I'll just be like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, definitely it. But, but again, like Boris's power of throwing these things, like it kind of hurts to watch Will Smith get stabbed in the chest as he's doing this. But I love the use of the time jump. It's the same with Doctor Strange. I'm not going to say they specifically ripped off Ben and Black, but Doctor Strange does the same thing with the climax of let's just play the exact same moment over and over again until you get the result you want. And that's basically does. He's like, I know how to do this. I'm going to charge right at Boris. I'm going to basically almost kill myself, but I'll time jump back 10 seconds and then I'll do the same thing again. And I'll know how to dodge this. That's this is a little cool way that they play time travel into this movie. Uh, even just aside from the major plot, just let's work a time jump into the end here. Um, and then I think that's what I was talking about where I said he's not falling from as high of a height, but maybe the amount of time you have to go back in time is the difference. Um, and, and yeah, the, the fact that it's not Jay who saves the day in this movie, that it's K too, because we've had Jay two movies. Saves the day with K. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Pitbull. Welcome to the <laughs> you could have written those lyrics. Uh, <laughs> we'll accept commissions or just sign up for a Patreon, Pitbull, whatever you want to do. Uh, but yeah, you, K gets to kind of be the action here on the end of this. And, even the big emotional ending you're talking about, Will Smith's removed from that. He's not even there. He's just sort of looking from afar. Um, but this is where I kind of get my question. Now, the the way that it's played so subtly where you don't get a moment of Will Smith breaking down because Will Smith's kind of known for the first time he got taken seriously as an actor was of on all things the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There's the scene where he met his father uh, who kind of abandoned him. Yeah, yeah. Why does yeah, he love that, me, man? Yeah, 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 yeah. To this day, people people probably who haven't even seen Fresh Prince know that's that We're moment. That it's, scene. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and yet this movie's playing completely. It's the same thing. Daddy issues. And it's it, he just sort of has this emotional look on his face, which is just as effective, I think, not seeing him have this big emotional breakdown here. Um, but this is where my questions come in here. So is this the way it always happened or is this the timeline they just created? Because I think it can work both ways. This is kind of like you, you, you keep it open for interpretation, go whichever way you want. When Jay's talking about his dad earlier in the movie, he's not saying, Oh, my dad was here. But, oh, I don't know anything about my dad. My dad left when I was young. I don't know anything about him, which would lead me to believe that this whole travel back in time is not the way that originally occurred. That, uh... And I yeah yeah I I into I I into because you get that line from Josh Brolin when he says to Will Smith like uh, I see why I recruited you so I I kind of interpret it as this always happens because you also get the line from the Oracle when he says like with death there must be death or something like that so like yeah with, kind there's of, like, always death that yeah and that's where like I can like I can excuse it because again going back to the whole flashy thing thing like. Will Smith would have never had a clue this happened. So he's, you know, cause we never hear anything about his father uh, in the first two movies. So like to so, me, it's sort of, I, I've always assumed that it's done. Like this has always happened. And that's why Tommy Lee Jones has also recruited him, you know? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to break this down even more because you just put a different idea in my head. So I was thinking that it didn't always happen this way, but the whole death where there's death, there's always death line. 
I think this is the way it happened, but just like Griffin's entire point in this movie is there's a million different outcomes you could have just because you didn't leave a tip or just because, you know, this person sneezed or whatever, uh, that this is the way it always happened this way, but maybe it wasn't something where he got the heroic death because that is one thing that changes in the future. Mm. Dramatic effect. Uh, it is that he, in the or beginning of the movie, Will Smith basically saying, I just didn't know anything about my dad. And then later on, it's like, my dad was here. That's the one thing he tells him to say. So yeah, I would think, yes, this is the way that it always happened before, but new K, this one slight alteration K has that one slow, like this is basically where Griffin will say, oh, this is the one time where he says your dad was a hero. That's the only difference. But then I also started to think about how, um, Tommy Lee Jones, did he recruit him because he was watching this kid all these years? But I don't think that would be the case because when Kay dies, the, the future where Kay dies, Will Smith's still working at Men in Black. So he was going to get recruited regardless. But maybe you still have it where Tommy Lee Jones is like, oh, that's the kid. Well, let me push for him or something like that. Either way, it, there's so many different ways you could play the ending here. And it messes with your mind, but in a good way, which is why that last scene is probably also my favorite, like final scene in a men in black movie with just Griffin being like, Oh, if this is the future, we didn't leave the tip. You have Tommy Jones coming in. Uh, one other thing, which I think I wonder if this is something that changed is when Will comes in and he's singing empire state of mind. Mm. He says, how do you know that song? I'm like, so is this, yeah. is this not something like what changed in this version of history that made him an Alicia Keys fan and not a Woody's Roundup fan? Uh, but some, something to explore in with the Men in Black multiverse, which I'm sure Sony's planning right now, but uh, I'm completely with you. It, it, this is an amazing ending. Uh, it is easily the most memorable thing about this movie. It's the thing that this movie gets the most praise for, but still, why is this movie not more remembered? <laughs> I, I, I can't yeah. quite put my finger on it. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but um, you know, I guess we're both part of that. You know, like I never saw it in the movies, and you kind of just it's there, and we had that opinion. But it is it's one of these ones. But I mean, having said that, are we going to watch this again in the next twelve months, or just wait till Men in Black International two? Oh yeah, Men in Black three. Um, random thing, just quickly. Uh, Josh Brolin. Obviously, you mentioned James Brolin by mistake. I didn't know that James Brolin is married to Barbara Streisand. I don't know if that's yeah. common knowledge. Um, and apparently that James Brolin has uh, two children outside of Josh, including a son called Jess Brolin, who is apparently homeless. And I'm looking at photos of him. He's a very big man living on the streets. Um, sad. And because uh, the, <laughs> the the headline is the truth about Barbara Streisand's stepson, Josh Brolin. He's homeless, her homeless stepson. Uh, also, Josh Brolin's daughter, who is in um, uh, Nebraska, Yellowstone, um, very attractive. Just Eden Brolin. Don't know if you're familiar with her. No? All right. Uh, <laughs> dramatic effect. Uh, Colony's muted and probably dealing with children. So... Uh, I will. There's a lot of screaming to... going on right now. Um, okay, there he is. He's back. Yes, uh, I'm not familiar <laughs> with her, but I'm sure I'll Google her now. Ben talks to himself about attractive <laughs> daughters of uh, people moving forward. And finally, I've realized you sent me that chat in that, and I can see the invisible boobs. So, good yes. Job. Um, <laughs> joke that was funny two hours ago. Oh, yeah. That's anyway, a, that Molly Brolin. Is this the one? No, uh, uh, no. Um, okay, shit, well, I, I, I had her on my screen. Now she's gone. Is it Molly? No, maybe it was Molly. I don't know. Yeah. How many kids does he have? 
Um, there's, there's an Eden brawl in here. I think that's one you're talking Eden. about. Eden. It was Eden. Eden. Yeah. Eden. Eden. I, like, I don't remember look, 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 look up, two minutes look ago. Look up Molly brawl in. I think you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised. Molly. Oh, this is Ben and Colin discuss the family tree. <laughs> Brolin's. Molly Brolin's pretty good. She's the same age as me. Um, parents, Jan Smithers. Uh, Smithers. Smithers. Is that a real name? That's like Fred. It's not a real name. It's just a made-up name for TV. And Ben, um, the important thing is she's not homeless. Well, I mean, you know, we're into our own things, Colin. Just uh, you be into what you're into. I'm into what I am too. Um, so this movie was pretty middle of the range received. I thought this was higher received. That's 68% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a bit low. Come well, on. but at the same time, I think that's that's still better than I thought the reputation this movie was. Because I remember this movie when it came out, a lot of people were like, well, that was okay. So I, w- I was kind yeah. of pleasantly surprised by 68%. Should be in the 70s or low 80s. That's oh, I, I agree, um, yeah. It isn't exactly a persuasive argument for the continue- continuation of the franchise, but Benny Black 3 is better than its predecessor, true, and manages to exceed expectations, true. Uh, 58 out of 100 on Metacritic. Uh, Roger Ebert, 3 out of 4, praising Brolin's role. Um, he cited an ex- excellent example of good casting. Ebert also praised the ingenious plot, bizarre monsters, audacious cliffhanging, and the virtuoso final sequence. Roger Roper gave it three out of five. Three point five. Rod, out did of you five. say Roger Roper? Richard Roper. Roger Roper Schlersinger. <laughs> that guy who reviews movies said <laughs> it's that rare threequel that doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, A.O. Scott of the New York Times. What a name. A.O. Scott. Uh, three out of five out of five, saying Men in Black 3 arrives at the multiplexes of the world with no particular agenda. Uh, cool. All right. Um, box office. Box office. Do, 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 do. Uh, it made $179 million domestically, $445 million internationally. That's why they made Men in Black International, because they thought it was bigger overseas. $624 million worldwide, which is this. I don't have the That's original the two in front of me. It is the highest. Yeah. Okay. So good job. Opened up against the Chernobyl Diaries, Moonrise Kingdom, The Intouchables, and Cowgirls and Angels. That sounds pretty good to me. Sequel to Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, probably. But this shattered in. It opened up with $54 million, whereas Chernobyl Diaries only opened up with $7.9 million. Uh, Beat number one movie previously was The Avengers in its fourth week. Still made $36 million. Battleship, as we mentioned, and The Dictator. Uh, Dick uh, opened up the week before. <laughs> Dick. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's not funny, Ben. It's a penis. Um, 21 Jump Street. So the movie that it nearly combined with was in its uh, 11th week. Which, How would you feel about that? I've never seen the 21 Jump Street movie, so I don't know. Would that work? I saw the first one because when I was flipping through channels, I noticed Brie Larson was in it. Um, it wasn't a bad movie, but like... I can't figure out how you combine those franchises. Like I could see how you could do maybe a funny joke in a 21 jump street movie where they see the men in black, but not like an official crossover. It doesn't make any sense to me. Kind of like in the Casper movie, how like when they're trying to like get rid of the ghosts in the house, you get a Dan Aykroyd cameo. It's like, who are you going to call <laughs> someone else? Um, yeah. You know, like it's, it's a random little thing like that. Uh, but the box office of the year, so the calendar grosses, it was 12th biggest movie of the year. One spot ahead of Wreck-It Ralph <laughs> and one spot below the Lorax. Really? The Lorax did that much money? Oh, man. Far out. 
My um, kids love the Lorax right now. In-year releases, uh, this was at 14th, one ahead of Django Unchained and one below Lincoln, Tommy Lee Jones versus Tommy Lee Jones. But Lincoln, boring movie. Hey, that Lincoln, Lincoln, car. Lincoln also has the guy that plays Griffin in it. So Steven oh, Spielberg oh. ripping off Men in Black, just because you produce it doesn't mean you could poach the cast. I, I love like presidential movies, but that was just boring. It's just Daniel Day-Lewis thing, isn't it? Like what was the dressmaker that we watched? Fuck, that was shit. Like, God. <laughs> Phantom Thread, yeah. Good for him. Uh, Phantom Thread. Wow, they're all the fucking same. Um, so plot keywords. Let's see here. Um... Escape from Prison, uh, Neil Armstrong. Okay, I just need to look at Escape from Prison because if Prison Break isn't number one, then something's wrong with IMDb. Uh, number one is the Shawshank Redemption. I mean, okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, but like, obvious. Prison Break is number five um, <laughs> behind Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Morbius, and The Dark Knight. Okay. Um, Buzz Aldrin Character Month, Restaurant Kitchen Month, um, Male Police Officer Month. Yeah, there's not very good ones this week. Severed Arm Month. Exploding oh. Body Month. Hey, no, no, go back to Severed Arm Month. Please tell me there's a movie on there. This is a real movie because we rented as teenagers a movie actually called The Severed Arm. Okay, I've, I've lost where Severed Arm Month is on my thing here. Oh, unacceptable. Uh, there's Impalement. Uh, there we go, Severed Arm. So there's a movie called The Severed Arm. Yeah. Uh, number one is Werewolf by Night, Thor, Love and Thunder, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Prey. I'm not going through all of this. Uh, Where is the severed arm? I'm not, I'm not seeing anything here called the Jurassic Parks on it at number 19. <laughs> uh, nope, I'm not seeing anything here called The Severed Arm. So you might have made that up. Uh, hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, exploding Body Month featuring Bullet Train, Thor Love and Thunder, Hellraiser, and The Batman. Uh, this is really crap. Um, I'm going to find one more here because this is going on for too Asian long. Asian Men got... Named Wu Month. Is that really on there? Are you no, 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 no. Uh, 1960 Spirit Month. Okay, that sounds good to me. Featuring Men in Black 3. Nothing else. Um, okay. Uh, user reviews. I guess we go for one star for this one, wouldn't we? Um, huge fail, disappointing movie. Spielberg, Sonnefeld, Dementia or Their Great Fall. Uh, can the cinema today get any worse? Is that written by Noah Groves? Um, all right. What's this one here? One, old, two, tired, three, boring. Pick any three. Um, this is by Robin Harris. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read some of this. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum it up. Ten, Will Smith shoots a bug. Twenty, splat. Somebody, probably Will, gets slimed. Thirty, Will Smith makes unfunny joke. Forty, partner K doesn't laugh. Fifty, go to ten. Because Will Smith... Covered in slime, choking, and K not laughing. Will Smith, slime, choke, not laughing. Get it? I'm pretty sure we get the not laughing part. The audience I was with to watch the movie sounded as if they had been stunned with a cattle prod. Okay. Was this in their living room? Like, what was the audience that didn't laugh at anything in this movie? Yeah, I have no idea. Here's a short one. All right, let's go with this one. Gary5709. Very boring and nowhere near funny enough. Didn't enjoy this one bit. 
Very middle of the road, with not enough aliens and effects in it for my liking. Very dull, I couldn't even begin to imagine what the 3D version, was this 3D? I didn't see it in 3D, I didn't see it in the movies. Uh, must have played out like there weren't many scenes that I thought 3D would come into play. Give this a miss and wait for the DVD. Waste of time. And money, one out of ten. At least this person knows how to match their rating with the writing in their thing. I think Men in Black, I think Men in Black's time has ran its course. Will Smith wasn't stretched at all in this film. He is a lot more talented than what this film allows and should turn down any follow-up to this we did. Uh, franchise, even though he won't. I probably should have gone and seen Prometheus instead. This is as far away from Men in Black as you can get. Rubbish. You're full of hey, shit, Gary709. You remember back in the early days of Off the Podium when we would uh, write our own message to the athletes? I almost want to start yep. like a, let's write a one-star review and ours could just be terribly disappointing. I did not see Bill Hader's dong once. Did you hear what Rachel <laughs> Bilson said about it? This movie is a letdown because it didn't showcase Bill Hader's dong, unless it was the fish in the opening scene, in which case I give it 10 out of 10. Well, you've given yourself some extra homework to do in the coming weeks, Colin, so you can do that. Um... All right, uh, I'm buying this movie. Uh, I yeah. don't think that's a. I think we both are. I'm assuming buying this movie. Yes. Yeah, and and it's weird because I always kind of remember this as a, oh, this one's better than two, but it's probably still a rent. But it's like no, this is definitely a buy. Uh, and I think it, the only fault this movie has is that it's not the first movie. Uh, but the reason for that is because the first movie is built around the whole fish out of water concept and. You can only do that so many times, especially when they're partners now for what, 15 years or something. But it's amazing yeah. that this franchise has managed to over three movies continue to keep that part of the movie. The second movie is Tommy Lee Jones, the fish out of water. This one is technically both of them because neither of them know, have a clue what's going on in each other's timeline. So, I mean, I give them credit that they made a sequel this good out of a movie that really you shouldn't have been able to have a successful sequel out of. I would agree with that, Colin. And on that notion, uh, I would be intrigued to know your rankings, or are they obvious? Because I think we might both I have think the same rankings. I think it's one, three, two, right? Yeah, one, three, two, and then four. Um, and then four, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll spoil it now. Don't even tune in next week. Ah, <laughs> uh, next week, Man in Black International. Yeah, I saw it at the movies. We did a review of it. I didn't like it. Uh, okay, I will say I didn't ha like. It wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen in the cinemas, but I just remember leaving going like, Ugh. That wasn't great. Um, it's just kind of boring from what I remember. And it's just things in it that meant to be entertaining kind of fall flat. And like you talked before about, you know, things that have been done before. So they maybe don't wow you as much as like the first one. Yeah. This one just, you know, just didn't, I felt a bit like Aquaman-y. Like it was just all over the place with sort of action set pieces and everything. And there's twins in it, isn't it? And, Somehow they get Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth to not have chemistry and then yeah. Liam Neeson's in it. Um, so <laughs> I think the Eiffel Tower's in this one, isn't there? Yeah, like uh, I've I never had a desire to rewatch it again until, as you said, we're contractually obliged to. So, um, <laughs> But you're hosting it, so good fucking luck. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't going to say I was like super pumped for this movie, but I remember a lot of people saying, oh, the trailer looks horrible. And I'm like, the trailer actually looks pretty good. So I, I would have seen this, but it came out right when our twins were born. And there were several movies, including Toy Story 4 that came out that summer, uh, which I wasn't able to see that I normally would have. Uh, and I remember your review not exactly prompting me to go see it. Uh, and then I had a nephew who uh, saw it and messaged and me and said, everything. different, different nephew. Um, but uh this one doesn't just love every movie apparently because he says, yeah, I saw Men in Black International. Don't waste your time. And this is when he was a kid who should just love everything. 
Um, I eventually saw it. It was like probably a year and a half later and kind of like you, it's not like it's the worst thing in the world, but it's like they, they, they didn't know what to do. So they just said, let's throw 100 different ideas all at you at once. And let's hope one of them works. And this movie, it was just like, it was too much. And there was no subtlety to it. There was no emotion. And I will say, I'll agree with you. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth have no chemistry together, but I did feel like they both were fairly decent on their own in this movie. It's just, they didn't work as a team. And that's the difference between Will Smith and Tommy Jones. Those guys good on their own and as a team, Tessa Thompson, Chris Hemsworth, decent on their own, terrible as a team. I think it's a movie that you didn't really want and no one asked for. And we get a lot of them. Yeah. And I think that I remember, I think when the trailer came out, I'd never heard of it until the trailer. I'm like, what? And then it was kind of, you know, it's a, it's a franchise that it's so reliant on their leading men that mm-hmm. when you recast it and do like a spin-off or a reboot or whatever you want to say, it just, it just doesn't work. Like yeah. this is Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Like that, like if they do a rush hour for, and I think they are doing a rush hour for, um, and they said like, oh, we're recasting it with Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. You'd be like, no, it's not Rush Hour. Then you're just putting a name on it for the sake of putting a name on it. Um, so that's the way I kind of always looked at this as well. So, yeah, I mean, we'll do it. We're not doing the animated series, are we? So I guess we've got to do no. another one for another month. So, um, sure, Men in Black International. Maybe if I've got the time and remember, I'll listen to the review that I did. But, um, yeah, because I don't remember what I said back then. But, yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, other stuff that is uh, obviously happening, we are right at the very point end of Breaking Bad. That is basically done. I believe we're up to El Camino this week. Uh, so listen to our review recap of that. Uh, Lost is happening. 24 is happening. And I don't know, The Amazing Race, Colin messages me. I think that happens every now and then. Um, and other shows that we do as well because they're entertaining mostly sometimes. Maybe. Depends on the day. Perhaps. Maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing the plot right now. Um... My name is Ben, and the prerequisite for a podcast is that it'd be funny. And my name is Colin, and uh, I didn't phone it in on this podcast. Uh, well, well, I did, but not because I'm white. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>